Hey, y'all, Scotty Real. And the dude here. And we just wanted to shout out to our crew of listeners, growers, cannabis professionals, and recreational tokers. Otherwise known as the Dude Grows Crew. Who every week come through solid and donate their hard-earned money to produce this show. It's the support from our listeners that directly produces the Dude Grows Show and keeps the unbiased grow knowledge pumping out week after week after week, guys. You are the DGC and their strength in numbers. So please show us some love and help produce the next show by going to DudeGrows.com and making a small donation. Respect. Come on, brother. Let's get high and start the show. Yeah. You're listening to the Dude Grows Show, coming straight out of Denver, Colorado, bringing you marijuana grow knowledge, news, and culture. At the tone, the time will be 4.20. Exactly. What's up, everybody? Dude Grow Show, episode 49, coming at you right out of Denver Mile High with the dude. And uh, I say with the dude grows and Scotty Scotty Reels. Can we put up Reels as plural? <laughs> Absolutely. Now we got to make it Scotty Rizilial or something, something a little more gangster. Let's mix it up. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. That'll get, that'll get the folks uh, writing in now. Well, if you guys don't know, this is uh, one of the only, and if not, I don't know, I'll say since we love it so much, the best uh, grow your own cannabis indoors and out show, help you guys uh, not have to pay the man, or if you even have that option, pay your dealer or whatever, start growing your own weed and uh, enjoy, enjoy the love. Yeah, grow that good stuff, man. The <laughs> shit your brother gave you, come on now. Yes, definitely. So, uh Let's do a little quick uh, preview. We'll see. Oh, oh wait, I'm gonna give a disclaimer. First off, I think I think Mr. Real might be a little under the weather. And then if you hear hear the dude have trouble with his F's and it's like F's, I got a I got a tooth removed, Scotty, and I cannot find my fake tooth to put in. So yeah, but it, man. what's cool, you can put a joint right up in that tooth hole and it works perfect. So. You went the whole mountain biking season, semi-pro mountain biking season, and <laughs> and, and 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 didn't didn't break anything. Well, I'll take the semi-pro out of it. Only in my own mind. I'm sorry. When I say semi-pro, I'm thinking of like the Will Ferrell movie. You know, like that yes. pathetic league he was in. Man, yeah. I figure if there was any kind of mountain biking, it would be that would be your style right there, man. Semi-pro. Yeah, I did all that, and then I just ended up tripping on a flip-flop. I'm not going to admit if there were some beers involved or not, but uh, straight up could not get my hands out, and it's just ridiculous, man. Haven't had a, haven't had a tooth injury in like 20 years, but that's all right. I, I sound good enough for, for the, the Grow Your Own Marijuana podcast, right? Yeah, you slipped on a flip-flop, man. All right. <laughs> Slip, got caught up in my own flip-flops, was running out to get a cab. Pretty simple, man. And then I, while I was falling, though, I did try a quick backflip, so. God damn, man. That sounds like a Jimmy Buffett song right there, man. 
Um, yeah, let's do a, a quick preview here. Scotty's not too stoned this time, so he won't divulge deeply into the preview to where you feel it's like that part of the show already. It's kind of crazy sometimes. <laughs> hey, I'm still getting used to this format thing, man. You can't chain me, man. Well, if you don't know, we got coming up, uh, we got what's growing on, a little bit of uh, what's growing on in our lives, what's going on in the industry, what, what, what have we been up to here lately, followed by some uh, featured product of the show. What is that going to be, Scotty? Man, we're going to do some biocozyme and just in, enzyme products in general. You know, it's hygrozyme or canazyme or zyme, all that good shit, man. Let's talk about them. Let's, let's, everybody buys them, but... Hardly anybody knows what the fuck they really do. Yeah, I use them outside of my garden, too. I use a uh, Colorado product that's an enzyme drain cleaner. It works pretty bad. You can use enzymes for all kinds of stuff. Nice. Yes, you uh, can, sir. I was, well, I also I might throw one in there. We're going to preview a little, a little. Um, the Magic Butter Machine. I just want to talk about it. Don't know a ton about it, but I'm hearing good things about this little machine, and I got butter to be made, so I'm going to... I want to bullshit a little about that. Yeah, uh, you know, super good reviews about that thing, man. And uh, I didn't realize it existed till a couple weeks ago. So, fuck yeah. Let's share that. Of course, we'll be doing what have we been smoking either this week or today or what. I'm going to do a live smoke, Scotty. And I'm going to oh try God, and guess what it is. Oh, my God. You're a fucking rebel. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, man, it, uh, anytime I think about that segment, I start thinking of that Mendo Dope song that we play. What's in that weed? Just smoking. We need to get him to do a, a clip for us, man. You know what I'm saying? What kind of weed? Just smoking. That shit's would be awesome, man. I love that song. Yeah, Sweet. man. Mendo Dope's the shit, man. I've actually been, uh, a couple people on YouTube have asked me, like, who's the, who's the rapper? So shout out to Mendo Dope, man. Cool as fuck, man. Yeah, definitely. He kicks it. Uh, news after that. Hot and heavy grow talk. My favorite part of the show, of course. And uh, then we got what, not to be confused with what's growing on, but what's going on in our grows. Bring it, I was bring thinking it right about what, what's growing on, man. People are constantly saying that to us. That's like our little you know, secret handshake right there. What's growing on, man? Anyone that says that, you know they're a listener, man. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and, and like I said before, I, I'm not going to say it just rolls off the tongue so good. We're not saying it's ours. I hear it out there on other podcasts. There's a, a few other ones out there kicking it, and uh, no worries. We're going to use it, too, because what's growing on, Scotty? Yeah, disclaimer, man. Scotty Real has never invented anything in his life, man. The best thing I can do is identify smart people that are that are making good sense and then share what I learned from those people, man. You're on a whole other level of genius, man. If you're just pulling shit out of your own head, man. Yeah. <laughs> what, did I lose you, dude? You lost me for a minute, but that's okay. That's okay. If y'all don't, <laughs> don't know, we uh, we record remotely sometimes from different parts of the country, sometimes in the same studio, and then sometimes just from hot box and a car out. So it depends on what the situation is. Although we will be uh, this Saturday, the 15th, which would be if we, if, if, if we get the show out on our 420 release we're shooting for. Over at the uh, Indo Expo, anybody in the industry is probably going to kick it over there here in Denver. So that's going to be sweet to hang out. If nothing else, for all you listeners, me and Mr. Reels are going to be walking around getting all kinds of good interviews and content for you to hear. So I'm pretty stoked for yeah, that. Yeah, I am looking forward to that, man. That's going to be a fun weekend, man. Saturday and Sunday. And then I think Monday there's a, a smoke out, man. Really? Where at? Well, over at, that, over at that bar. Uh, oh, the, yeah. The watering bowl. Right. Yep, yeah, the watering that was, uh, bowl. Mentioned, if you guys didn't hear, yeah, the watering hole in Denver. Um, I think it's in our bowl. previous episode, we had that interview, 
And she was like, yeah, any, it's opened up, man, especially Dude Grows listeners, uh, full-on public smoking while they do the release of the marijuana show at the Watering Hole Monday night. I believe it's bowl, not hole. Like, you smoke a bowl. I believe you're right. Can't forget, people that support us, give them some love. Way to Grow's got almost seven stores now, one kicking uh, up in the mountains due to open at in Silverthorne, but they got the mountain folk up there. The mountain growers are stoked. They've already had people like knocking on the door, like, when you open, man, like I need some shiz. Because being up in the mountains sometimes at remote grows, especially with the weather, it can be a pain in the ass. And people drop down here all the time, you know, just to pick up what they need for the next three or four months when you're up in the mountains. So that's pretty good to hear. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass to drive all the way down to Denver, man. Definitely. Um, and kick it, dudes grows account at any of the stores, guys. Give you a hefty discount, guarantee that, or the uh, thousand watt Hordelux HPS bulb deal for sixty dollar, sixty dollar for a retail bulb at I think about a hundred and thirty. But you shouldn't be paying a hundred and thirty many places for the hordy. People will hook you up a little, show you some support. Who else, man? I, oh, I did not want to forget you uh, actually hooked up Costa Mesa Steve with a can fan can fans another supporter of the show what did he get hooked up with yeah man we actually hooked him up with a replacement for his max 8 which has not died but it's been five years of straight 24 7 service man so to reward that awesome product man we're gonna give him a replacement man so we're replacing his max 8 with a max 8 ho and Costa Mesa Steve's the kind of guy that knows all about. He's actually on the show. We do a, a a new segment with him, but he knows all about you know amperage, wattage, efficiency, UL listings, and I mean he's a huge can fan fan. So what's that segment? The difference between you guys like kind of tackled the difference between voltage. You know we we made up a segment, man. Just we're gonna have him on the show frequently from now on because electricity and just knowing that at least even the basics of electricity, it's a fucking necessity for us growers, man. I mean, if we don't know what we're doing, we can literally kill ourselves or kill somebody. So really important to get the basics. So we came up with this high high voltage, man. So high voltage with Costa Mesa Steve. And uh yeah, I recorded the first segment and uh yeah, me and the dude will be hanging out talking to Costa Mesa Steve about electrical issues. And this week we did uh yeah, uh we pulled this one again off the comments, but uh somebody commented Derpity Derp four twenty actually uh commented a couple weeks ago on or one twenty versus two forty. And he was saying there's really no advantage between it. So it's a, I agree, and there's a lot of mystery and a lot of misconceptions going around there. So, yeah, we got Costa Mesa Steve to set us straight. Yeah, it's not necessarily an advantage, in my opinion. It's, it's the necessity of it. Once you have so much equipment running, you have to have more power and have to run it on 220. But um, that's also segue, I'll say, into another guest on the show today, guys, uh, Steve from the Aquaponics Source in Longmont, Colorado, he they actually have been per, trying to perfect for the past few years aquaponics and cannabis specifically and offer even a nine-hour course on growing aquaponics setup. And this could be small-scale, guys. It could be in your house, you know, and so listen in for sure. Like, I was trying to stump his ass with saying, oh, yeah, well, what, what's your bloom booster in aquaponics, man? And he, he surprised me with some answers of what they're doing and offered up a, a full nine-hour class giveaway for our listeners. So check out that that grower sit-in and uh, somebody that really wants to learn, try and hook up that free nine-hour class. I don't even know what it's worth, but Steve was dropping the knowledge. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually going to be going to that class. I definitely want to learn because the one thing that he's really into is 
biology and microbes. I mean, he definitely feeds his microbes, and then those feed his plants. And I like him because he's got a really good litmus test that if his microbial count, if, if it ain't right, his fish die. So he gets proof right there. there ain't it's a no pretty bullshit. obvious sign. Yeah, it's a real honest test of whether this shit's working or not, or whether you've got any holes in in, in your uh, in in your bacteria. So, yeah, I'd be really interested. I'm gonna go hang with him and, and learn a lot. Sweet. Uh, also, shout out to Optic Foliar guys. Um, any all listening that commented on the previous episode, I'll be emailing you here soon. Getting some samples out definitely from Dinesh over there. I did use the ATAC in my outdoor garden for some spotty powdery mildew. I'm going to have a couple of videos up on that. And, uh, yeah, I keep running some tests on these products. I got some IPM up to do next with Overgrow as well as Azimax Transport. So I'm just going to keep it honest and, uh, yeah, get out my results to everybody and let them know what's, what's going on with it. See, I said what's going on with it instead of what's growing on with it. I'm under control. <laughs> hey, man, I was looking at my Octopots a couple of days ago, and I got a shout-out to those guys, man. Fucking awesome, dude. I love those things, man. They really make growing easy, dude. So much love to Chris and Robin over at Octopot. Let's start the goddamn show. <laughs> Word, let's roll. You want to roll into what's what's growing on, man? You ready for that? Yeah, man. Come on. What you got? What you got, man? Man, I got to take a quick hit of this herb here. I got a fresh-packed bowl, and I got my beeline because I like my beeline, and Is- I was supposed to wait till maybe let's do what we're smoking because I can't keep – this bowl's just looking at me, dude. I got to hit it. So are you ready for what we're smoking? Can we do that instead? Absolutely, man. Come on. What you got, man? Do you, do you have soundboard music that you play while I'm lighting this bowl or something like that? Maybe, I don't know, elevator style or – Absolutely. I got the B-Wine lit, lit now, and I'm, I'm taking the hit right now. Are you sure? Don't waste my motherfucking time! <laughs> blank my blank and blank you. All right. Ooh, frosty mads. <laughs> 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 Suck it in and hold it. All right, you got it. So that was, uh, man. <laughs> so I have a debate here. It was between Cherry Bomb and the, the Blueberry, the Flow. And I think I just called Flo Berry. Oh man! But uh, <laughs> right, thank guys, you can always give a thumbs up or thumbs down or comment on Scott's soundboard auction action in the comment section of this. But uh, I'm not complaining, man. They've already voted, man. I They've think they liked voted, it last man. episode. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, it's one. Of, it's one of those things, man. All right. Yeah, the debate here with another grower was that he's like, dude, that's the Flo Berry and that's the Cherry Bomb. But the stuff that he thinks is cherry bomb to me tastes totally like a, a berryish. So this tastes like I don't know dieselish. This is what happens, guys. Here's a grower grower tip: clearly label your plants, but then also who you're getting them from. You've really got to be able to trust their knowledge, you know, and who then who they got it from. Sometimes I, I believe clones and cuts just like change change names like three times down after it's gotten to the 10th person like oh yeah that's definitely the island sweet skunk crossed with this and really they're just yeah so that gets frustrating if you don't really know yeah and unfortunately i totally agree with you man but uh i'm gonna take another another hit here it tastes fabulous i'm I'm gonna try to do a taste slightly like roasted diesel exhaust with yeah i mean come on man give me a good review you're always dissing me on my reviews when i go oh it tastes so good man so come on man give me give me a good review man 
All right, I'm hitting it again here real quick. See if we can get it to burn white. Yeah, man. I, I'm going to grab my CBD crew skunk haze. Hang on a second, man. <laughs> CBD crew skunk haze. And now I know what this is because my buddy actually grew it from seed. So I'm absolutely positive what this is. There's the benefit, man. The seed. I love it because you usually, I mean, you know if you plant this seed, that's what you got, obviously. Cuts are a lot harder. Goddamn right. I can tell you, though, while you're doing, if you're, you're lighting that up, hopefully, instead of, instead of vaping, a true test for me on the herb is, is lighting it up and getting the taste and getting the smoke, getting the attributes. Yeah, but I can, I can really, really identify the attributes when, when I use this Plenty uh, Vaporizer. Yeah, because you're not getting the carcinogens, true. I, the burn. Not the carcinogens. That's cancer-causing agents, man. But I, I mean, the, just all the all the plant material. You're really just bubbling off the crystals. Hey, I still think there's there's carcinogens in pot smoke. It's just that all the the goodness in there, the cannabinoids, cancel it out. That's that's how I look at it. Yeah, that sounds scientific as a motherfucker, man. It is. Hey, I just uh, they told me that the other day when I was at the hospital just to inquire on that. Let me read you real quick. <laughs> Did they do it? If this is, you're commonly asked, are you a doctor? Aren't you? Yes. I am asked that a lot. Um, so let me tell you that real quick. I, I believe this is the cherry bomb, which is a sharp Californian indica and Hawaiian sativa cross. I like the it. The effects of this mixture you like are rather visual in character. You will immediately experience a great high with a wide grin, closed mouth, and tight eyes. It's so, like this guy's I known me I, my whole life. My eyes are starting to get tight, so I'm leaning towards this. Is the, and then they go, this is an obvious sign that you became cherry-bombed. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. What is that? Can I, right, what do you got? Can I write what do you got with marketing? your CBD crew? I mean, you know, you're always asking me for a serious review, so if you'd like a serious review, I'll give you one, man. You know? Yeah, bring it. All right, man. Well, this is a skunk haze by CBD crew, and... I mean, there's more than enough complexity to keep this weed interesting, but its shining points are really its its approachability and and its smokeability. It's got all the hallmarks of the haze style, but it doesn't stray off the the musty or funky or or phenolic directions. Uh, something that'd be like a beloved example of like a good G13 or a true haze, and it's a good thing because like the neophyte and the veteran cannabis geek alike can both find something interesting to enjoy in this weed, man. It's affable, it's refreshing to boot, and it'd be a fine choice year-round, but makes an especially good early evening, I'd say autumn indulgence, a perfect weed for this time of year. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck is, or, or felonic directions that drive, all right, I don't on, know. what's up with this review, man? This sounds sketchy. I, that was just off the top of your head, of course, right? No, I got it off beer aficionado, man. It's my favorite new website to go to, man. I just go there and replace weed with beer, and they're the snootiest people I've ever experienced, man. I mean, these people are fucking drinking beer, right? That's awesome. So this was just your 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 we reworded a little bit beer review. Yeah, I just went to Beer Aficionado and saw the first review I fucking I could find, and just yeah, replaced weed with beer, man, or beer with weed. I think they were probably reviewing Natural Light Ice. Yeah, you know they probably <laughs> fucking were, man, but. I'll be damned if we're going to be weed snoots around here, man. That was just kind of a joke because I can't do it, man. I like weed. Tastes good. Gets me high. Makes me feel good. <laughs> you know yeah, what man. I mean? 
Yeah. I, I, that's usually the, the, that summary you just gave is my summary of all weed. Yeah, so, but, sometimes you know, it's fruity. Sometimes it's skunky. Sometimes it smells like cat piss. You know what I mean? Dude, but, we're going to have to be like uh, the Westward back in the day, and we're going to have to like have somebody help. You know, you all out there contribute to the show, like a few people that want to be the, uh, the connoisseur, because some people can really like pull. They'll, pull, they'll give you reviews on Herb that you didn't even know like those attributes are there until they kind of told you about it. And then you can really see them, taste them, I should say, and, you know, see it in your high. Like when somebody's like, oh, you've said some funny ones before, be like, this weed just really makes you want to go out and like drive a remote control car around. And you're like, damn. What the fuck is that, it, though? No, it makes you <laughs> want to do that. The fucking writer. You know what I mean? Don't be putting your trip on me, man. I ain't got a remote control car, man. Blank my blank and blank you. But if you did, would you want to go out and drive it around right now that you got a little higher? Because I feel like I would. <laughs> All right. Let's go into what's growing on. Let's go into what's growing on. Shit, yeah, man. Um, All right. Good. All right, good. Gonna... good. Because I've been noticing some shit. All right. That's what's growing on, man. So I want to give a couple shouts out, guys. We had some uh, support come in. Totally appreciated. We got a donation from Nick. Looks like a Devin, a Eric. And if I'm missing anybody, guys, totally appreciated. That's what uh, helps keeps us going. We have expenses in our, our networks, we'll say, getting things up on Libsyn and monthly things. And I was you brought up a good point, Scotty. I like this... Uh, feature over at another show the no agenda show a political podcast pretty good one at that but they have a feature like on their homepage, i think where you can put in any words like let's say you guys were to go to dudegrows.com and people we get this a lot in email and they're like where's the episode about when you talked about biocozyme with the formulator jacob so what all you do is type in biocozyme and it's going to pull every point in every episode where we talked about that shit and that was like damn that's powerful I like that feature because it's going through audio for you, you know. We all know you can search the pages and the forums and that shit, but I want to get an audio search that up on badass, that. That is probably man. some software that costs whatever. I haven't looked into it yet, but that's the kind of shit that you guys are helping support. We're always going to be putting back into the site and making everything as the best we can. Yeah, we love helping out, man. We've been getting tons of grow questions, trying to respond to them kind of quick. It's cool. I got a, a cloning question yesterday, and the guy was like, help, it's been like five hours. What do I do? And we actually got back to the guy in time, man, to where uh, he was like, hey, thanks for the advice, bro. Clones are looking good this morning. So, oh, you did yeah. get back to him. Cool. I got we got that in Grow yeah. Talk too. So, yeah, Scotty reels on it, man. Coming up, a cloning discussion. What else is going on? Oh, uh, I had a buddy head out, Doctor J, and I'm not going to say where he went. Doesn't really matter. But he wanted to go pick up a quarter, quarter bag, a top shelf, you know. And he's a card holder. He just wanted to go see what was out there, you know. He's a he's a grower as well. So us as growers, usually, we're always just trading up our own herb. We don't have any need to go to the dispensaries, taking care of each other. But sometimes it's fun to go out and shop, right? Get some strange, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I actually called a dispensary this morning. Really? Really? What did you call a dispensary this morning for? Looking for really good quality CO2 oil for a cartridge, man. I want to get off the butane wax. If I'm going to, you know, sometimes it's convenient to smoke, you know, a pen. You know, you're just not in a position to, to stink, stink yourself up like weed. Yeah, man, I figured if I'm going to get one, let me try to get some really good quality CO2 oil. Yeah, I don't know if the Pink House is wreck or not here in Denver, but I think they got some really good extracts. But regardless, yeah, extracts is different. There's there's really good quality butane all over the place, but the CO2 is that real liquidy stuff. Okay, you know, it's kind kind of like what comes in the what are they open vapes or whatever they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 
I call but, them open vapes, not open vapes. But you know what I, I mean. I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I was calling them e pen vapes till yesterday, so it can you know help a brother out. Anyways, and you're a band from Saint Absolutely, so simmer down. Like I don't know, a minute ago you gave a huge loud absolutely. So let's... oh yeah, that was uh, that was the reason for the soundboard, wasn't it, man? <laughs> Okay, so I didn't know that prices were up at. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not sure what designates top shelf. I'm sure some some good attributes for top shelf herb, but he paid. I think it was like 107 out the door, and of course, I think like 20 for a quarter, right? I think it's like 20 percent of that at least is tax. But yeah, for a quarter, man, and that's where Jesus. if people really, I mean, I know people that really need to burn recreationally and medically and or medically. Uh, I've seen some people they are like, yeah, quarter lasts me two days, dude. So let's say that's your habit. So Yeah, man. I mean, a fucking over $100 for a quarter, that's over street prices. I mean, that's just like straight up. Spread them and say cheese. (laughs) Sorry. Get into grow your own. I mean, and it's not an option for everybody, but you know what else you can do if you can't grow your own? Try and identify people in your circle of friends that might have the space to let you do it, or maybe they would be interested in becoming a grower. So there's a lot of options, man. Just just keep thinking about that. Yeah, especially with outdoor opening up this year the way it did. I mean, you could certainly find a little spot and grow a couple outdoor plants. It shouldn't be much of a big deal, and you can get a decent amount of herb off those bitches. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One more thing, the magic butter, the magic butter. So I got a lot of, I don't know, I, I like to call it my A-trim um, after the outdoor came down. I threw out a ton of, uh, of course, all the fan leaves, and you don't have to do this, but all the fan leaves I picked off by hand, the big guys, those all went in the trash. And then I like to give a quick rough trim, per se, which is still not fan leaves, but not the sugar leaf. And I threw out all that. You don't need to. You can use that. But I really wanted to keep just all my sugar leaf trim. So now I got, you know, like all the gallon Ziploc bags filled up with that. And I was like, I don't know. What should I do? I want to do some butter. I want to do some solventless uh, water extraction hash for sure. Using those all mesh bubble bags. Or no, I thought that magic butter machine, man. I checked that video out once over on their site. So they, um, I might get a hold of those guys, see what we can work out. And yeah, make some, I love how they call it magic butter. But it looks super simple. Like you put everything in and plug it in and you're, you're good. So, yeah, man. I, are you I, much of a butter butter maker yourself at all? Ever? I'm not, but that machine was so cool. It had me trying to buy one, and then I realized that I don't make butter or eat edibles. You know, but just the real magic butter machine is like a microprocessor controlled butter maker, basically, and it's cool as hell, dude. Takes all the guesswork out of it, man. Yeah, and there's good way. I mean, um, edibles are on and off for me, but I'm trying to get more dialed in with them because I like, as part of my health regimen, definitely to eat cannabis as well. Different way to get it in your system. You really obviously got to time out the effects, know your doses, but the like butter makes it pretty simple too. Like I've even taken like half of a uh, a teaspoon of butter and of cannabis butter and like put it in my coffee with some cream and that's some that's some interesting good tasting shit right there who the fuck are you homer simpson man butter up that (laughs) coffee boy yes i have a bacon for a stir stick in that coffee yeah you better bacon up that butter first man exactly so what what do you got growing on these days you know man i've just kind of been uh checking out a couple things with different grows and and different people's containers man and i've come to the conclusion something i really never mentioned on the show and something we don't really talk about but that is that container size makes a huge freaking difference 
And a lot of people, in my opinion, are using too small containers. And when you have a real small container, when you're trying to grow in anything below a five-gallon bucket, man, that plant out, you know, it, it strips the water out of that out of that media. And there's so much of a variation that happens there. It's a pain in the ass. I tried just playing around over at one of my buddy's places and just used a couple five-gallon buckets and, and grew some plants in some dead spaces. And I'll be damned if it wasn't a real pain in the ass to keep those things going. You mean because the containers are too small? Yeah, because I'd show up, you know, the octopots are pretty self, self-contained self just to where I have to water those things once a week. I'll do a top feed on them. And so I would go even with, you know, five-gallon hempy buckets and not huge plants. Man, these things would always be drying out, man. And it was a real pain in the ass. And I really think when things dry out big time that you get a huge pH fluctuation. You just get all this stuff that's no good for the plant, man, you know, in the soil itself, man, which really hurts. So... I'm not a I'm not a big fan of letting things dry out, so I'm a big fan of larger pots. So I'm going to say a seven gallon, a ten gallon. That's really where the sweet spot is to get big, high yielding plants. I was talking to the guys over at Way to Grow. They tell me that ten gallons are like their number one seller. I know, I remember down in Florida there was a whole religion of seven gallon dirt baggers. You know, <laughs> I can't imagine doing anything Bunch below of that. Dirt bags. <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing anything. Man, it's all pertinent, dude. It depends on your garden, right? Irrelevant. Okay. You know? Yeah, definitely. If you're doing. I think here. Here's what I'll say. Smaller pots are for. People it require more maintenance, and I'd say it would be for people that know what they're doing. I think that you can definitely screw up much easier and, and quicker in a smaller container. So if you're looking for something to be forgiving, try to go with as large a container as you can. Yeah, I, I, I do that. I, like under a 1,000 watt, you know, on the high end of things, I'm going to be growing one island sweet skunk under this 1,000 watt, and it's going to be in a 20-gallon container. Yeah. But I I don't I, – I I'll say I, I disagree a little with – the dry out process as far as letting I definitely let my plants get I know I don't let them get to the point where they're going to wilt in a couple hours but they need to be watered and I could tell like a 20 gallon container is light and you don't have to grow like that I like to grow like that Um, but when you do like one tip if you guys do dry out pretty good between waterings is if you can go in there and water in your first like you know your first 20% 20% of your watering, just go in there and water in some plain pH adjusted to water to get that plant, you know, soaked in a little bit. You definitely do not want to go water a dry plant with any high PPM chemical newts. Right. Not organics won't really do it, but if you go in there with anything chemical in your regimen, watering at a high PPM on a real dry plant, you can get some leaf tip burn pretty easy. But I see the advantages. I mean, not so much in veg. I do this more when I've got, you know, the second month of flowering where I feel I see the flowers put on more resin production because they feel they need to be protected in this dehydrated state that I'm putting them in. So I, and I swear the results work pretty well, but not, it's not necessarily I'm doing it every watering, but I don't have any problem doing it every other watering, just letting that bitch dry out real good. Like if I didn't water it, that light cycle the next day, it would be damaged. It would be wilted back. Yeah. And that, that's kind of what I'm saying. I go in there and once every 90 days or 100 days, however long it takes you to grow a plant, I'll fuck up and, and, and miss it by 12 hours and have plants. I don't say they're wilted, but plants that are bone dry. And I do believe that that makes the root zone suffer. Yeah, and containers, is, it's amazing. This industry, I've seen <clears throat> something as simple in my mind as containers put so many different. There's like 
air root maker pots with all the holes and then there's the smart pots of course other brands of fabric pots there's like this hulu planter thing from sanctuary soil company that says it has i don't know oxidating crazy effects and i'm like man i've been rolling nursery pots pretty much since day one as a soil soilless gardener and i have no issues with yield and i just i'm not against smart pots i've just never found out that i need them in my garden because they dry out too quick for me and i can't yeah and i like to reuse shit man i've been using them you know the 15 gallon nursery pot the same one now for the like the third year no problems so. right you can use, reuse your smart pots, though. I know. Here's your joke, but your wife will hate you for putting them in her washer, right? No, nah, I mean, you can just <laughs> go clean them up. You know, it only takes about five, ten minutes per pot. And you just pull all the old roots yeah. out of it. You know, yes. As long as you're not using salt-based chemical newts, I'm for you reusing a smart nah, pot. I, but I use salt-based newts, man. But, you, I mean, you can literally just wash them out, though. You can spray them with a garden well, hose. You use salt, but here's I, I'll, I'm giving the plug. But yeah, Canna is super clean, and we know that it's true. Like it's super clean and easy, so you're not going to see those same results in the smart pot with some of the other newts that are chemical based. That's for sure. Yeah, it is true, man. Smart pot will tell you how salty your newts are because you'll see a ring around them. <laughs> They'll develop like a salt ring. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, let's uh, take a quick break and come back, and uh, we got a uh, future product of the show and some news to hit. Uh, and then grow talk, y'all. Come on, let's do it. Word, we'll be right back. Everything's over at dudegrows.com for you. All right. We on? All right, Mandel Dope. One plant, one season. We put in work out here. Hole diggers. Up early in the morning when I'm watering and feeding. One plant, one season. We put in so much work and yet no one's believing all for one plant, one season. When the sun's down, I'll be watching. I ain't leaving. One plant, one season. Cause we put in so much work, but yet no one's believing. It's one plant, one season. In January, I'm shopping for my seeds, looking for the new strains and the cross breeds. In February, I'm chopping down some trees. Cause all day sunlight is what I'm gonna need. Now I'm up in March. Let my seeds sprout. Paper towel for the start. Rapid root is what I'm about. And tech lights begin to grow. Rotate them into 1,000 watt. That's if you really a pro. Through April and May, then here comes June. I've been digging holes, tilling the soil and making room. 400 gallon smart pots, soil by the yard. Mud on my shirt, hands dirty on the farm. Up early in the morning when I'm watering and feeding. Hey guys, remember that there's plenty more great grow knowledge over at DudeGrows.com. So go check out all of our news, videos, and latest articles about growing great weed without all the bullshit. And remember, it's donations from listeners like you that keep the real deal marijuana grow knowledge coming at ya. So visit DudeGrows.com and be the DGC. Back to work, fool! What's up, y'all? Absolutely. See, I'm, I'm taking it from you now, Scotty. Hey, man, you can't ban me from saying something and fucking starts taking it from me, man. What the fuck? Nice. You're the G-man. Let's talk about the featured product of the show, Biocozyme from Grow More. That's G-O-R-W-M-O-R-E. 
I don't think he spelled that right. <laughs> and the reason, <laughs> the reason why we're talking a little featured product, a few different reasons. We had a listener inquire in about usage rates. If, you, if you're a, a listener on the show, you hear us talk, grow more additives because they are, I mean, number one, they work. Two, they're affordable and consistent professional packaging, like good shit. So it's what most of my supplements are now. Yeah, let's 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 read this yeah. question real quick. Do you want to chime in there? Sure, man. You chime in on this because I know you got some. We both use me and Mister Real uh, Biocozyme in our own gardens and have been now for about a year, I'd say. But uh, here's here's a listener listener question. Uh, he says a question about the application rate. I thought it had a lower app rate, but is calling for one ounce per gallon. I think for soil. And that's because the instructions on the bottle aren't the greatest, but that's why we're here. He goes, when I use others, they say about 15 mils per gallon, or a tablespoon, if you will. Is that like the rate on hygrozyme only for hydro or something? Is it the enzyme concentration about the same as hygrozyme? Just curious. Yeah, I have a direct quote from Jacob, the formulator, our contact over there at Growmore, who says, sorry, but the biocozyme label is whack. Yeah, I mean, the first thing under hydroponic here on the label, it says fruits, vegetables, and herbs use two to four ounces, flow ounces per 100 gallons. So, I mean, it's like that's yeah, like the farmer. That's actually what I do. So, yeah. What, what do you, what's your rate? What, what, what rate do you use this per gallon? Yeah, yeah I looked at that, that, that two to four uh, ounce, ounces per 100 gallons, and I just adapted that down. So I'll use like two ounces, which is 60 mils per 55 gallon drum that I fill up. So I'm using right about one mil per gallon and I see results with it. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's great shit. Jake uh, gave me a feed chart. He's got some recirculating feed charts. As a matter of fact, we'll put these up on dudegrows.com. He's got a recirculating and a drain to waste, the complete grow more feed chart here. Uh, And I've talked to a couple growers who tell me that it's pretty much right on. It's got all the supplements, but it's looking at, uh, for rooted cuttings, one mil per gallon, uh, grow three mils per gallon, and bloom five mils per and, gallon. And just because so. I'm, I'm still new to our, our new site, that will be probably, I'm assuming, under the News and Articles Navigation tab. Sure, man. I'll, we'll put it up on the homepage for a little bit. You can always find all sorts of stuff. There's an archive tab, and there's also on the sidebar. you find all sorts of good sticky information on that sidebar sticky there. Sticky information, huh? All right. All the sticky icky. Well, I use this yes, biocozyme. When I had, I compare. I was just trying. I know it's it's definitely two different products. Uh, as far as what I used to use was hygrozyme. Hygrozyme being thirty six dollars a quart. This being, if you guys want to hook this up, go over to realgrowers.com. I think to your house, maybe like twenty two dollars for a quart of the biocozyme, and it's got a slight NPK of point three. Point three, and then point oh five, and that's from uh, soluble organic nitrogen, and then available phosphate and soluble potash. But I like the derived from one here: alfalfa meal being the first one, then barley meal, blood meal, kelp meal from, of course, Ascophyllum noticum. But I know I, I, I'm feeling whenever I see alfalfa meal, I'm thinking. Is there tricantinol in this product? Do you recall if there's anything like with that with biocozyme or it's just part of the process? No. I don't think there was. No. I believe they're just using that as, as a, a starter base and they're, what, they're getting a biostimulant out of it. But I believe it's an enzyme is, is you know, all these zyme products are enzymes. And the way that 
Jacob had explained it to me, and it's a shame that that Steve isn't here with the fish because he would really be able to help us fully understand the, the details behind these enzyme products. But honestly, we had a little segment with Jacob, and it was great, great, crazy drop in science. But my eyes were glossing over after a while, man. Here's what I took out of it. You know, simple Scott took out of it. Enzymes partially digest materials in the soil, fertilizers and materials in the soil, and make them available so that your bacteria can come and eat them. And then we all know that the bacteria deliver the nutrients into the roots. So that's where enzymes play their part. They'll partially digest matter and allow the the bacteria. It's a great food source. Now the bacteria can go readily just chow that stuff up. It's all ready for them. Interesting, yeah. Does that make sense? It makes sense. As to where the bacteria are full digesters, these guys get it into a state ready for the bacteria. So it's kind of a a, a, a neat triple-tiered system. The enzymes first, the bacteria second, and then boom, into the plant as food. And I use about six times the rate as Scotty does because I do about seven mils per gallon. I'm not doing it every single watering, though, but I'm definitely doing it about every other watering. So, I mean, as with a lot of products out there, like my recommendation would be for soil soilless. I mean, you're using less than your res and you can get away with it. But like a lot of things, a teaspoon per gallon, five mils per gallon is not going to be too much or too little of this product, in my opinion, and what I've seen it do in the garden. So, I mean, what do you think? Am I am I overdoing it? No, it sounds like I'm I'm a little bit light on there, but I'm putting it actually in my reservoir. So consistently, it's 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 being delivered. So it's a little bit different than you doing it, you know, once a week or whatever. So yeah, I'm having great results with just one. I mean, maybe it's one. Yeah, I guess it's not more than one mil per gallon. So yeah, I can't complain. Right on, and I like it's actually a pretty cool label on the front of this. And I was I was guessing, like you said that Jacob's like, yeah. Yeah, sorry about the label. I mean, this. how much does it cost to change a label out in Cali? Probably that alone is like, they're like, nope, not making that call. That label's just worked and it's approved. Because I was just thinking, man, it's yeah. got to be expensive dealing with the stuff you got to deal with out there. You know, he's also used to dealing with all sorts of commercial ag folks as well. So maybe he makes a label speaking in their language as opposed to speaking in our language. True, true. I could, I could feel that. Um, what do you think we... Uh, we should cut over to it. I'll say one more time, guys, if you do want to pick up any of that biocozyme, Scotty's got it on hand, realgrowers.com. It will come to you. It is a great way to support the show, guys. And, yeah, realgrowers.com is just a gardening site, so not it's about whatever plant you want, just so you all know. You know, you can also buy it from our store on Amazon as well. I definitely realize people are shaded out about buying things online. So either recommend us to your garden center or we'll get these products out to your garden center or we'll recharge specifically. But just uh, going over to Amazon or I, I think I've even got some on eBay. You got them on eBay, dude? Pretty sure. If you see it on either Amazon or eBay and it's the best price, that's that's us. So that's the easiest way <laughs> But to anyway, it just all supports the show, man. It really does help us get things going or keep things going. Uh, let's transition. I don't know. They've. The, the listeners have heard us for a while. Should we get Steve on here with Aquaponics Source so we can yeah, do that clip with us all hanging out and talking aquaponics? Absolutely, man. And just another great example of one of our listeners reaching out to us and saying, hey, guys, I got something to contribute. I know something. And we love it, man. 
The reason we do this is to, is to be part of the community and to, and to get to know some of the progressive growers out there, man. So it's been great. Let us know if you guys got something to share or you got something unique. So Steve stepped up, and we appreciate the hell out of him. Word. Well, here it is, guys. A grower sitting in with Dude Grows, Scotty Real, and Steve from the Aquaponics Source out here in Colorado talking about how to, to grow some weed with fish. Yes. Shit, yeah, man. Absolutely. This was killer. So this is Courtney from Colorado, definitely bigging up the dudes from the Dude Rose Show. You gotta check them out. Doing this talk with this brother guy, the good essence of, you know what I mean? You definitely want to keep it real. Dudegrows.com. What's up, y'all? We're back. We're back hanging out, and we're going to talk more aquaponics. Why? Because it's pretty freaking cool. Uh, we had this on a previous episode. I don't know the number off the top of my head. Do you, Scotty? Not. Nah, it was a 40, I don't know, somewhere in the mid-40s, We're going to get this cool search thing on our site, I think, Scotty, where... Uh, that that no agenda show we like you can search I think and put a word in and it'll actually search your uh, your your whole episode like it's some type of weird software right on man pretty interesting but um in cahoots with Google what uh like I said before you know the dude just used aquaponics a little bit I mean all I have is a couple of fish tanks and I use that water on uh. You know my my rooted clones are small little tiny herb trays. So that's Does like that my, even count? Man? I think kind. I mean, because it's it kind of counts. As, it's like almost the same as. Uh, let's ask. Let's ask. We got Steve here, guys, from the Aquaponics Source. Uh, how you doing, dude? Great. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Awesome. Let's. Uh, yeah. Does that count? Let's start there. The fact that I use some fish water to feed my. Uh, my smaller plants and just refresh my tank with plain water. Is that the simplest form of aquaponics? Um, I guess you could kind of call that like aquaponics. It'd be more no. cool. Can I put more, that on my uh, organic LinkedIn, hydroponics? Man? Okay, cool. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, let's, let's get into it with, with Steve here. How long, uh, like I said, again, he's over at the aquaponicsource.com. You guys got a storefront in Longmont? Yes, sir. As well as a good online presence here. And uh, how long have you been uh, with Aquaponics Source? been for the Aquaponics Source now for about a year and a half. And uh, we've been working on um, aquaponics there, aquaponic cannabis for the program for a little over two years. Yeah, that's what really struck uh, a chord with me is that it's not just aquaponics, but he's working refining a cannabis recipe. Yep. Pretty damn cool, man. The other nice thing about it is it translates over to everything else that we do with the fruit trees and all the other heavy feeding stuff. So it's, you know, we learn from the cannabis and can translate it to all of the everything else that we do. So it's really fun to work with. Yeah, I was talking to you earlier and you said something interesting to me. You said there's certain people in other states that are actually lining up to grow cannabis and they're practicing right now. Yep. They're in practice mode. What do they practice? What's a good plant to practice on if you're practicing to be a good cannabis grower? Sure. So a great uh, plant to use as an analogy plant to learn to grow cannabis if you're in a state that you're awaiting legalization is a tomato plant. Um, as far as nutrient-wise, they're very similar as, as far as how much they use calcium and magnesium and other things, and they're very good to get used to your nutrient levels and, and get used to growing with your, your tinkering and, and all that stuff. Yeah, right on. That's what I tell people, man. Become a good grower. You know, if you want to grow good weed, you're going to have to learn how to just the basic principles of growing. Exactly. So. And our classes revolve around, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a few different things, growing aquaponically indoors or outdoors or either way it's going to apply the so knowledge base we actually touch on both um we cover over the the pros and cons of each each method and you know some of the unique problems that you run into in um, greenhouse grows and how colorado is some of the first places to run into some of those problems thanks to our our legalization here and the legalization of greenhouse grows so yeah well I- I want to get into it with, because uh, of course I have some concerns, but let's let's target like the person, which I'm sure your classes, I'm assuming, target uh, that 
they, they this is their first time they want to grow, or it doesn't have to be their first time. I'm sure there's growers like me that would love to learn how to do this better, and I'm interested because, like Scotty a few episodes ago was saying he's been growing indoors for so long, it's just getting boring for him. So when new things like this come along, it definitely sparks my interest. So take it from a standpoint of somebody that most people, let's say they can hang up a 600-watt light, and what do they need from there to get going? I mean, is that... Is that the minimum to start growing aquaponically? We're not going to use any outdoor light. We're doing it indoors. So, like, what's the minimum light? And uh, I don't want to say the minimum, but... Yeah, right? changing your nutrient source is not going to affect lighting in any yeah. way. Your lighting is going to be right. the same as any I soil. I a better hydro. question where it probably would start off good. What's sure. the minimum size container to be able to support your, your fish and your water to be able to grow sure. and feed cannabis? So, I would say the minimum to do two plants would be 40 gallons at bare minimum just because you need a certain water volume to hold, maintain your pH, keep your microbes happy, and maintain a healthy enough microbe colony in your aquatic layer and along with uh, enough water volume to keep your fish happy and, and enough fish enough water to keep your fish alive and producing enough nutrients for your plants. And now are we talking you could just set up a straight-up aquarium? I mean, I used to have a 50-gallon aquarium. It wasn't that big. You know, I mean, you could do something like that and then oh. you cycle the water? Is that the, That's the concept? Absolutely. Um, so I actually have my two of my mothers right above a 40-gallon breeder fish tank, and <laughs> that's, that's all they're in. So, you know, you don't need anything particularly special as long as you have a grow bed and, and, a, and a fish tank reservoir. Um, that's all you need to get started. Yeah, um, this is why I'm into aquaponics, man, yeah. because it's freaking cool, man. The, the key to growing aquaponically to make it work or not work is how you set up the root system and how you plant them, and that's really the key to success or non, non-success. Now, if you have a 40-gallon tank, I'm assuming that that's for – you're not necessarily – that tank can support fish life. There's, I, I guess you're not going to have um, – you're not doing that to have harvest fish. You're creating nutrient for the plants. Correct. You're not going to have big tilapia in there necessarily. What, what type of fish would you have in a 40-gallon? So if you're going to do something as small as a 40-gallon, you could use Oscars or Paku or any um, any of your other smaller medi- to medium-sized uh, aquarium fish. You can even do a straight-up community tank, and, and that would be perfectly fine as well, as long as you had enough fish to produce enough nitrates for your uh, plants to be happy and get your nitrogen up and your phosphate availability, you'd be, you'd be set. Now, I mean, we've got three macronutrients that, mm-hmm. that we always think about, N, P, and K, yep. uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Uh, different fish poop out different nutrient, you know, di- the, the different uh, fertilizer, I guess. Tell me how that works. Absolutely. So if you're going to grow in an aquaponic cannabis system, you definitely want to make sure you have a good balance of about 50-50 carnivores to herbivores. Um, the carnivores are going to consume more protein and thusly put out more nitrogen and uh, in their waste, whereas the herbivores are going to produce more plant or eat more plant matter for the most part. Um, most of them are omnivorous, but um, they'll produce a lot more phosphate av- uh, available in the water. So you can kind of use that to adjust those two and then you can simply add um potassium carbonate or potassium bicarbonate as, as your potassium supplement what about what about the bloom booster fish that's what i want to know yeah. <laughs> bloom booster Ooh. fish um like the best that. way to bloom boost uh, 250 dollars <laughs> it's a bloom booster fish all right <laughs> The best bloom booster we found for through fish is uh, giving them sugary fruits, actually uh, pineapples oh, and other stuff like that. Girl. You can actually, um, and, you know, the same way you would uh, add molasses to a soil, your soil grown, um, you can actually do something very similar by giving your, your fish very sugary fruit. Wow. So, I mean, I, you know, I always love talking about microbes. So mm-hmm. in my situations, the microbes are eating the food and then they're delivering it, using it as a, a delivery method mm-hmm. to the plant. Uh, so we've got one more degree of separation in here. We've got the fish eating the food yep. first, 
do you use microbes in your soil? So uh, that's a great question. Um, so how we have our system set up and why aquaponics is unique towards other systems is uh, we use something called a dual root zone where we use tall pots and we fill the bottom half of it with hydrogen. We put a layer of burlap or other root permeable material and then we put uh, our you know our super soil mix above that um, the super soil mix allows us to supplement any additional nutrients that we have um, we pre-measure the amount of water that will go into that layer reduce it by a third and then we know we can add that amount of water into the soil layer and supplement any nutrients that we need to supplement uh, in order to make that plant thrive and give it a little extra boost, especially during the end of flower. Um, but the advantages to splitting it up and having the aquatic layer and the soil layer is you get the full biodiversity of all your terrestrial bacteria like you'd normally have in soil grown, and you get the full biodiversity of the aquatic bacteria and that lower layer that are actively being fed by your fish and everything else in the system. Damn, you can tell Steve is the teacher of these classes, right? <laughs> you actually instruct on these classes, don't you? Absolutely. And there's cool video guys over on YouTube. Um, called Potent Ponics. Correct. Potent yeah, Ponics you is our YouTube Google channel. Google Potent Ponics, you'll pull up a cool, very simple, if you want to understand, it's titled Growing Medical Marijuana with Aquaponics. But, man, that's like what, dropping knowledge. Where's your soundboard, Scotty? Aren't you supposed <laughs> to hit in that, that little dropping knowledge clip? Post-production, man. But you All are right. a drop of science like Galileo. Dropped an orange, my friend. What about when these systems are going? It's more, Is it more like that once you have an established system, everything's in harmony? Mm-hmm. You plug and pull plants out of that, like you don't necessarily like that system just keeps going that bed. You don't like clean everything up and reset or anything. Nope. So what we do is we'll move our. Well, right now we have our separate system that we veg everything out in that we can just keep a, a light wall up just to maintain the the veg lighting. And then what happens is once they're up to a certain size, we'll move them into the other grow beds in the greenhouse and move them out into the uh, the flowering area where you know we'll lengthen the day at this time of year. But um, during the summertime and, and spring and, and fall, we don't need to. At all, um, but we just move the pots around, and since the pots contain, you know, 95% of the roots, if I prune a little bit of the roots when I'm replanting it, that's okay too. So, uh, just draw me a picture here. Let me, sure. let me get a picture in my head here. So we've got the pots sitting in. And is there water in the bottom of the pots? I remember we were talking about the hydroton layer and whatnot. So sure. So sitting the, in water? Sure. So we make sure that the layer, the divider that where the burlap is that splits the soil and the hydrogen is approximately an, uh, an inch above the, the flood layer. This way you don't get any water wicking into the soil, and we can maintain ind- both independent pH levels in the soil and the water so we can chelate more minerals per day. But also we can supplement that soil layer in any way that we need to. Wow. Without yeah, that's really getting cool. any of that supplementation into the water and affecting the fish in any way. So what about some points as a grower concern, I'll call it? I love to really flush out cannabis to its sure. extre- extremity of ripening and the plant's completely yellow. How, what options do you have with that? Isn't that? Is that a weak point of an aquaponic system? Where absolutely not. Um, what you can do is you could pull the plant out, sit it on your, yeah, so your uh, system, sit it outside yeah. for five minutes, flush the daylights out of it, put it back in your system, and do that maybe every two or three days, the last week or two of harvest, and you're going to get enough water through that. Um, the only stuff you're going to get from your fish water is a small amount of nitrogen and phosphate, but because you're getting it from a bioavailable source through your bacteria, it's going to affect the flavor. It doesn't affect the flavor in any way. So, or you can even, I'm thinking, as you said, pull the plant out. If you just want to remove it from exactly. the for flush, not an issue either. Simple enough. Um, what else as far as I'm trying to think? Oh, give me a bonus. There's got to be as far as taste. I mean, have you noticed if you've grown this strain, you know it, and then mm-hmm. you grew it in aquaponics, what different attributes will you see? Um, actually, we've act- uh, the last strain that we did as a control versus uh, um, the aquaponics was actually uh, Island Sweet Skunk, which I believe you've talked yeah. about previously oh, yeah. on the show. Can I get a cut? Um, I love that strain. <laughs> actually, I have one going now, but I've seen a, a few different uh, – 
varieties sure. of it. But. We actually have a um, a monster picture on our on our website there of a Monster Island sweet skunk, and that one the the flavor and the aroma was just unparalleled to the hydro and the soil, even the soil control. The soil was close, but so it, the soil c- control though was like kind of like whatever, somewhat organic natural soil. Yeah, like it wasn't like you're in peat feeding a GH three part or something. It was no, like, no, okay. But I'm, still, you said the the complexity and the, like differences in the flavors were just way more noticeable, oh, much more. That's cool, man. Now, what do you something. attribute that to? Um, so, we, as far as we can tell, we can attribute it to all the different um, bacteria. The fact that the plant has twice the number of active bacteria available to its root system than any other form of growing. You have an organic uh, hydroponics. You only have the aquatic bacteria, even if you're running it where you're keeping all your microbes alive. You only have aquatic bacteria, which are in an aquarium, and those work great. But you're losing out on those uh, soil microbes that chelate things and make different minerals available at different levels as well so you know you're getting the absolute maximum number of bacteria species available to your root system that you could possibly have i dig it man i dig it so i'm just yeah i'm I'm trying to play the naysayers like not the naysayers but again more concerns what about uh They've been doing this since Thanksgiving, I know, it's man. Awesome. Right? I'm, I'm going to take the class. I just, you Absolutely. know, trying to get the knowledge out there. People are concerned about, you know, let's say, uh, how about a difference in? Obviously, people can grow herb to push mm-hmm. full on weight and have a big chlorophylly, you know, mm-hmm. whatever bud that tastes horrible. Uh, I think it the way was cool bloom in the end, man. <laughs> the last three days, you just vomit with cool bloom. Yeah, right <laughs> before harvest. Do you see a sacrifice at all in yield on genetics going um, across the board? Was there, in that control, for example, how sure. did yield handle? So until um, we actually started off when we very first started the program with just putting them directly into the grow media. And what happened was we were having yield issues. And the, big, the issue was with potassium and phosphate um, and making those bioavailable. The, uh, now that we have using the dual root zone and we can supplement the, the upper part of the root zone, just like in nature, that's where you're, you know, the majority of your nutrients are going to be. You know, the upper four to six inches is where most plants chelate all of their micronutrients. Um, since we started doing that, we've had you know, very similar, maybe sometimes slightly under, sometimes slightly over, but for the most part running very similar to our controls. Yeah, that's slightly under with that fantastic flavor. Like as, yep. as I'm looking at a picture of you here on YouTube with some... Big old trees behind you hanging out. Yeah, um, boy. I mean, I think that's where, if you're in this at all, obviously for your own personal use or the market, that's what counts these days, man. The more and more yep. herb that's grown, um, the more important that it tastes great. And, yeah, it's just awesome. We, uh, we actually have a new um, commercial model that we're working on to actually get rid of that last little bit of difference. Um, and we're awaiting results right now. I don't have anything to share yet, but um, we actually finished construction on that about two weeks ago. So we're going to know... Uh, Hopefully, this new method of, of working just a, new, just a slight modification on the, the okay, dual root zone. Current, and when you say stuff. commercial model, it's, I mean, I... The idea is to basically to... Um, so the, the other benefits of aquaponics is the fact you're using 90% less water than traditional hydroponics because you don't have to dump your reservoirs and you don't have to... If you're in soil, you don't have to... Um, you're, you're losing a lot of water because you, you pour it in there and it comes out the bottom and everything else. In aquaponics, you're recirculating that water over and over. So places like in California and stuff like that, their they have, their water prices are going sky high it's along with, along with the electricity and everything else so you know one of the best ways they could do that would be to switch to a more um, less cost cost of, or more cost effective way to to grow and uh, and do it that way so we're trying to develop a model that would work better for dispensaries and other people that want to go on a larger scale and keep it organic um, do you have any commercial growers here in Colorado that are like close to making the switch or pretty darn interested in what you guys have going on um, we've uh, had two estimates for dispensaries cool. um, but we haven't um, actually had any uh, 
purchases yet, but the, it's very well, you know I mean, you guys are very breaking, recent breaking ground, and you yeah. want to yep. get a, put the proof uh, in the pudding, which it looks like you're you're really figuring out. I mean, the concerns I've had, I said, are you know being able to flush right, or when I want to add at this one point in bloom a nice. Sometimes I'll use a, a sole synthetic mix where I'm trying to get just for this water, and I want to yep. get a little peak in it. Um, but it sounds like you figured out with that, what would you call it, like a dual root zone? Yep. You can really achieve those things. And then the removable. Uh, now, when you're removing a plant from the system, these are net, net bottom pots is what they are? Um, yep. So do you have a ton of roots that you have to? No, not really. Um, we actually put a piece of burlap in the bottom, and the, the roots kind of hit the burlap and, and kind of okay. slow down. Um, so you do get a, a small percentage of roots, but, you know, we actually give them a quarter turn every day. So we're, we're actively pruning them pretty, pretty regularly anyway, so. Wow. You've got to have good savings. I'm thinking your main savings in this, obviously, is nutrients. And when I, yep. <clears throat> like most people's fear, we're getting into something. I think the learning curve is getting it set up and uh, cycling and functioning properly, like a little ecosystem. But once that's happening, I'm assuming everything usually runs pretty damn stable. Yeah, it's very hard to crash it, especially if you're um, maintaining it properly because you have so many other microbes and other things going on. We have no root rot. Because there's so many other microbes that are actively out-competing the, the root rot because it just never gets a chance to get colonized. Speak it's it, immediately, Speak it. <laughs> immediately eaten by something else. Um, we don't have a lot of the other problems that you run into with hydroponics because we have active microbes that are consuming any, any waste that's sitting around that's going to get funky and get... Hold you on, know. Scotty's salivating, talking about microbes. <laughs> man, I, I ain't talking no shit, man. Oh, I, I love it, I love shit. it. What about now pest control? Um, <laughs> what can I... I mean, I love... As a direct and as a max, I think you can use those products fine on the top end of your canopy and stuff. What do um, you guys do? If for you if you ta- tarped off your grow bed, you could. We actually I don't like those because neem uh, can actually or neem extracts can actually kill your bacteria. Um, it's actually something else that can be a concern for organic hydroponic. All right, all right. People. I got to I got to get a take on that real sure. quick because I've heard from multiple people um, that should definitely know what they're talking about as far as saying. If you want to, and I do it myself, you know, I drench probably maybe four times in a grow with a pretty heavy Azimax to my soil. Just for the heck of it, I want to get it in the plant systemically. I was told that that plays friendly with everything else I'm using. Sure. And it's non-issue, but you're saying it is having a negative effect on some soil life or Uh, beneficial bacteria? I'm not sure if Azimax is, but I know that other neem products definitely, in our testing, cr- immediately crashed our system. and ki- They basically killed the nitrifying bacteria when they well, made it into the Well, and that's probably bed. a little bit. We're talking a few different bacteria between what's yeah. working well in aquaponics versus living soil, per se. But uh, regardless, so what, what do you guys use um, when a problem presents itself? If it's, let's go to the basics, mildew, mites, um, and then down below in the, I mean, your root system sounds like it's always money, but uh, sure. unless it can it be problems with bugs and stuff. Sure, so for uh, mites, um, we really like kapow. Um, it's castor oil and lemongrass oil. It doesn't seem to have any effect on the bacteria or, okay. the, or the, the fish. Um, for powdery mildew, we actually will use um, potassium bicarbonate or we'll use um, monopotassium phosphate, um, either or mixed up in a, in a little bit of a solution and we just use as a foliar and um, that works really well. The other stuff that we'll occasionally use for powdery mildew, uh, especially if I happen to, this is the first time I discover it, it's on two or three leaves, I might hit that area with serenade, especially if it's before 
yeah, know, sure. barley off in flour sure. just because I love using the, the bacteria rather than some I other sprayed form. it once in the house, and my wife was just like, what the hell, oh, man? man? What the hell did you do? Definitely it smells stinky. funky. <laughs> uh, humidity issues potentially inside with this type of setup because of, you know, you can just water everywhere pretty much. Sure. So in Colorado, and if you have uh, – it's just not, not too much. Yeah. In Colorado, it's not really a problem. I actually have quite a few fish tanks in my house, and I don't know if it ever gets above 40 yeah. aside from my AP systems. And I think like I'm the only guy also. in Colorado with humidity issues, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, this um, is true. But, yeah, if you're in a, in a more humid state, you know, you might need to ventilate a little bit more. But um, that's something that you should be doing if you have a grow room anyway. So, you right. know, generally with normal ventilation, it's not too much of an issue. It's maybe in, in some parts of Florida, but that would be about the only, only place that we've ever had any kind of issues. But, again, that's really easy to solve. You know, you could take your same potassium bicarbonate you use for pH up, mix in a little bit of water, and just spray the walls. Raise the pH. That stuff yeah, won't grow. Yeah, what do you guys keep your pH? at close to neutral uh, so we keep our ph around 6.8 and how often is uh, uh once a system's stabilized if that's a word for it mm-hmm. do you are you adjusting pH once a day you check it so what, what happens is all your nitrifying bacteria um will actually lower the ph over time so you need to have something like calcium carbonate or sorry uh dolomite which is magnesium calcium magnesium carbonate or some other um substance in a a little pouch or something Mm -hmm. to dissolve which will help balance it out and if you have that amount right you can actually kind of ignore your ph it'll stay dead on as long as you're feeding the fish the same rate that's going to dissolve at the same rate and hold your ph steady and it'll also add your your calcium for you which is really nice wow that sounds cool So you can basically have your calmag stabilize your ph for you well, what's up with? I want to talk about your classes here. Real sure. Quick. It looks like you got a few different classes. Aquaponics immersion course mm-hmm. uh, is one. Aquaponics fundamentals course. Yeah. Um, and then topic focus classes. What's like? Yeah, I'm assuming aquaponics fundamental course is your intro course if you want to come take a class. So um, actually, our I'm assuming the immersion course is done inside a fish tank. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, the fundamentals is a one day. Um, the immersion is a two day. Um, and the fundamentals you just build a. <laughs> Sorry, a little one-bed system. In the uh, immersion, you build a three-bed system, which is much larger. Um, and those are specifically on aquaponics and not necessarily geared towards cannabis, although they do touch on some of the grow methods. Um, and then we have a separate, I teach a nine-hour class all about cannabis production and, and aquaponics as well as... And that is that har- the Potent Ponics course? Yep. The potent. I like it. We have a is that separate- officially the name? Yep. Our Sweet. Potent Ponics will be our brand line for all of our, our cannabis-related uh, aquaponics and uh, is that a stuff. Saturday or Sunday class? You said nine-hour class? Um, yes, it's a one-day. It's uh, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and we cover everything. Harvest, curing, some extractions. Can you smoke while you're in school? I was just want? thinking um, the same thing. How <laughs> fucked up is that, man? I was thinking the same thing. I thought to myself, oh, I'll just eat an edible. I'll be fine. I don't think any of us will, uh, will say anything <laughs> if it smells a little strange outside. Don't smoke before you go to class, guys. Yeah, you definitely need to remember ear, right stuff, out the though. other. <laughs> hey, man, that depends on the individual. I say, I, I know people that they're not getting their degree in accounting unless they smoke when they go to class. <laughs> so it just depends on how your brain works. And they are older than 21, and their brain is fully developed. Just there's so much damn news hype about the brain and weed. But uh, regardless, let's um, – yeah, man, I, we were talking earlier. Let's get something going on for our listeners. I mean, can we do a little promo for you guys somehow? Sure. We're going to give out a, a free uh, voucher for a class today. So um, however you guys want to – Want to decide that? Um, cool. Sounds awesome. We'll have that Let's available. Do the raffle right now. Oh my God! I won. Scotty, you won. Right. It's Scotty crazy, won. dude. I know. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna take one of these. I. Uh, 
I want to see mainly like I, I like the once it's going the simplicity of it, and then assuming I mean I'm going to be saving money on the nutrients are pretty uh, com- compared to what the nutrients we need for our fish. I'm assuming that's like a quarter of the cost of any of this retail on the shelf, you know, hydroponic nutrients and stuff like yep. that. Big savings. Yep. So especially during during bloom, you can supplement with your standard soil bloom, organic soil blooms and stuff like that. But you're again, you're only supplementing that tiny, you know, the half of a pot soil layer. You're not having to dose an entire pot or an entire hydroponic system. Um, so you're ending up, you're going to end up using about a fifth to a sixth of the nutrients in, in your overall run. Um, and the fact that you have all those living bacteria makes them immediately bioavailable because they're instantly consumed and converted into stuff. Word. I, I think it. what should we do, Scotty? Like, uh, you know, guys, man, do comment section and tell them like, yeah. who, why Le- you want to do this. Leave us a comment that somewhere says I want in. That would be over on dudegrows.com, right on the homepage. You'll see uh, if you go uh, hit show, the episode and scroll down. Yeah, show forty nine. We'll just have show forty nine. It'll be front and center, right there. Um, yeah, hit up some comments of uh, why you want to take this. I, I'm sorry for all you listeners that are everywhere else in the world. But uh, obviously, this is going to pertain to people here in Colorado, unless somebody wants to fly out and hang out, you know? You know, I'm not sorry, because this shit's global, man. This shit's nationwide. He's all over YouTube, which is cool as hell. If you need help and you're really interested in this, you can do it, man. It don't matter if you're in... But I've also seen with the grow house here in Colorado that does aquaponics, they do courses, uh, people like come it's their vacation they'll like come out here from all yeah. over the nation to do a class which is pretty sweet so i mean yeah, yeah this will pertain to anybody if you want to come on out and hang out yeah i know you've got guys in florida that are giving it a shot right and yep. the, we also yeah. have friends in florida that also do classes so it's all over you know you can find a, a place near you to learn how to get started in aquaponics and then uh you know through our youtube channels we'll have regular stuff put it out soon and we'll have a whole new website all devoted just for cannabis called potent ponics yeah, man, there's no better time in the world to, to be interested in things and to learn, man. I mean, you could become an expert smoking weed in your underwear, man. You know, I <laughs> love it. I love this world. I'm going to have to try and get my hands, guys, on some of that uh, ISS, the potent ponic sweet skunk, we'll call it, because I want to give that a comparison. I'm, I'm, like, excited to try and taste that. So Yeah, I want to see the dude add a little bit of fish into his dank, man. Well, we always talk, I mean, it's a completely different thing. We say about how the fish brings the dank when we're adding sure fish does, fertilizer man. at the proper sure times and bloom. And such a great uh, byproduct of the industry, the fish industry, that works great in indoor gardening. Um, so you heard it, guys. Uh, Steve, did we forget anything? Any important points you want? Or I got a question. So say sure. that I, you know, I mean, definitely uh, piqued my interest. So say I wanted a starter system for this. Mm-hmm. What would Help me build a starter system. Sure. So you're going to need a minimum 40-gallon reservoir, and then you're going to need some kind of grow tray that's a minimum of, I'd say, at least six or eight inches deep, just so you can at least get the bottom half of your your pots um, fully submerged. And, you know, set yourself up with a flood and drain system and get started that way. So like a three-by-three or something, a three-by-three tray over? Yeah, you could even get away with something as small as a two-by-four, but a three-by-three obviously would be better. I say ramp the four-by-four, guys, and all this we're talking about if you have a Local grow store, anyway, they, they all carry these hydroponic trays for flood tables, and they'll, they'll work great. You can probably build your own thing with pond liner or something if you'd like as well. Um, but, yeah, go ahead from there. I mean, growing media for it, Hydrotin? Uh, Hydrotin, you know, you can use grow stone. You can even use um, river rock. As long as it's pH inert and it won't alter your pH, it's safe to use. Even some lava rock, so they'll be careful with lava rock because it can leach other strange bit things. A silica rock, maybe? But uh, silica rock is fine as well. Interesting. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Interesting. And then, what, so what are we out of a three by three? I mean, I guess I can put that under a six hundred or something like that. A mm-hmm. couple pumps, right? Three by. So yeah. So you just need just need a pump on a timer and okay. uh, you know your standard flood and drain plumbing and and set yourself up. You want to set the the flood up on fifteen minutes on, thirty minutes off, and and 
you're ready to rip. Basically setting up the, st- the typical flood and drain, yep. except you're adding fish and, yeah, getting it going. And as all the hydro people know, um, the water, when it goes up and down, acts as a diaphragm and helps your plant root, basically breathes for your plant roots, which is the other advantage to growing the way that we're growing in aquaponics is you get that nice, real good gas exchange, and it forces that air through your, even your soil layer as long as you have it planted at the right depth, which basically power breathes your, your soil and your, your lower root zone and gets that real good gas exchange to get that growth speed up. Damn, Sweet. man, I like it. I'm going to take your class, homie. I'm 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 for reals, man. Maybe we'll take a we'll take that class when the when the listener wins the class. We'll all hang out with somebody. That's what we like to do is hang out. That's right, man. Uh, so yeah, hit it up, guys. The aquaponicsource dot com. You heard it. Free nine hour class being offered up. Go comment on this episode. Tell us why you need it. Why you need to grow the dank. And we'll definitely get somebody uh, learning. And Steve, we appreciate you being on the show. And if you see us, th- if you see us there, don't get us high before, man. All right, I want to remember this shit. Nothing like talking talking aquaponics here in the in the pepper grow room with lights everywhere when it's like six degrees outside. <laughs> Love so we appreciate it, man. you coming down in the Absolutely. cold weather and snow. And yeah, guys, hopefully we'll uh, have Steve back for a sitting. It'd be cool to hang out after uh, I, I take the class and yeah, bullshit about what's going on, what's growing on. Sorry. <laughs> Hell yeah, Steve! Thanks a million, buddy. Very cool. Thank you, guys. Work, guys. We'll be right. right back, dude. Grows. They tried to take away my recharge, and I said no, no, no. Yes, I grow the day. That's just like money in the bank. I'm in the no, oh, oh. Come on and do yourself. A favor and grow some dangness that you can savor. Cause I'm growing top shelf with recharge. The proof is in the smoke. Recharge is a natural soil conditioner that takes the guesswork out of growing. The secret is in the biology. Recharge loads your soil up with organic beneficials that store and deliver nutrients to the plant as needed. In traditional or organic gardening, recharge makes growing amazing quality simple. To buy seven bottles when one's just fine. Why you try to take my recharge when you can get your own? What's up, everybody? We're back with the news. I get kind of excited about the news considering we're covering the uh, fall of prohibition a lot. I mean, that's that's good news always. Yeah, man. Oh, I was going to ask if you were there. I see now your soundboard just talks for you. Absolutely. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I wanted to jump into hemp for a moment. Hemp, not the uh, stuff that gets you high, but the hemp. Um, Whoa, the shit they make hempcrete out of, man? Yes. <laughs> or, or, yeah, or cars out of in Cheech and Chong, but I think that was made out of straight bricks of weed or something. Yeah, come on. Tell me about hemp, brother. Tell me about hemp. These guys are coming out actually this weekend for the Denver Indo Expo, Colorado Hemp. Hey, we're going to be there, brother. Yes, sir. We will be there, and we'll, we'll talk to these guys if you want. These two guys are coming out from Ohio and Kentucky, and I didn't know that Kentucky was once the leading, the country's leading hemp producer, hemp producing state, and now they're back in the 2014 Farm Bill um, so Kentucky will be able to grow hemp again um, if the 2014 Farm Bill is going to relax federal drug laws to make way for uh, re- renowned hemp cultivation. So I'm pretty. That stu- son of a bitch is huge. <laughs> out, out of control, out of control. Um, so that's I'm pretty stoked on that. Like I said before, man. I mean, I use sometimes the hemp protein powder, and that shit's coming out of Canada because they can grow hemp there. And I mean, why the heck? Absolutely. <laughs> wouldn't 
wouldn't we do that here? How, Scotty, are you still there or are you just soundboarding? <laughs> that is absolute ludicrous, man. To quote Mr. T, God damn it, man, that we can't grow hemp here but Canada gets to grow it there? Come on, what the fuck, man? Please don't say the F word. Yeah, it says right now the, there's this place in Canada basically that is almost 40,000 acres of industrial hemp, and they're expected to export $10 million in hemp annually. So it's like, yeah, we got to get into that action. I mean, grow hemp everywhere all the time. That's my new bumper sticker, grow hemp everywhere all the time. So I the- like that, man. I like that. Does that get you pulled over? <laughs> no, no, not as no. I was going to bring up another bumper sticker I saw recently, but maybe it's kind of political. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Regardless, I'm stoked for for this. I want to see uh, how cool it would be. I mean, they're probably going to be more in the back roads, but you know, when you're driving out from, you know, I go back to St. Louis where I came from. Every once in a while, you drive across Kansas and you see, you know, big old farm fields of different crops, mainly I think wheat and corn and shit. But looking out there to see some nice hemp would be would be. But then you get ignorant people probably come trying to cut some down and grind it up and shit and smoke it. <laughs> well, it happens, man. I heard that buses all the time up go up in Nebraska and there's natural hemp growing out there. And people will just stop, like these tour buses will stop, and people will be taking pictures and whatnot, man. Look, I mean, it's it looks weed. Like, <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. You know, have fun smoking it. Well, we'll see nothing but good things come from this for sure here shortly. I'm convinced. Um, yeah, get it into the farm bill. Maybe even some subsidies for hemp farmers. That would be good to see. Start diversifying these crops out there. And, man, get all the good things, protein powder, oil. Hempcrete? Is that what you like, Scotty? Is the hempcrete? <laughs> I just know there's a ton of things you can do with it. It's just a fast-growing fiber. Think about how fast your plants grow in veg. And I don't believe that most of the time with hemp that I, I put it this way. I know that there's certain crop where they just grow it in veg and harvest it for the fiber. Mm-hmm. And you can just do it so quickly. I mean, what grows faster than a fast-growing weed plant? You know, it does grow like a weed. Yeah, and I'm 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 definitely down, man. I'd like to grow some out around my house here, just for the uh, privacy fence. Actually, in the back, that I wouldn't mind being seasonal, work pretty well. But probably get me some negative attention, maybe, just maybe. All right. I mean, they got that sun hemp stuff that's already available, dude. I gotta tell you, I'm trying to switch to the next news story here, and I had like you know eight tabs open on my computer before, just getting the news lined up and shit, and the amount of damn add-ons and bullshit like one of the web pages just started playing some news story just started playing into my headphones as i'm trying to talk to you and i'm like all right which one's doing that and then i got another news where you load the news i don't know if you've seen this crap where you got to answer a question and I'm like, okay <laughs> let me answer this damn question and then another they're like no wait just one more and then you can read the article and this shit has nothing to do with me like it's not even a good demographic marketing question. I'm like, this is, this is the most irrelevant shit I've ever seen. So, I, I like the ads that try to sell me something after I've bought it. You know, like I'll go and buy something on Amazon, and then for the next month, I got ads for that same thing asking me if I want to buy it. Man, like something's broke there, man. Yeah. So if you hear me, I'll let you know this time because <laughs> my my little computer, I don't think it handled the nine tabs of fucking add-ons and BS. So. 
we're loading. But that's kind of the trick, though, man. You know, the trick is to you know do do a whole lot of education with a little bit of selling. You know, sponsored by. You know, I know I know I catch shit all the time for talking recharge all day long, but you know that's kind of how we keep this thing all going. You know, it's how we keep the all lights right. on. <clears throat> we're in that market. So as I go through these news stories, if anything pops to my eye about how asinine this is, I'll let you know. All right, next news story is how will Congress respond to marijuana legalization? We covered this a little bit last show, right? Like, so out in Washington, D.C., Congress can be the end all, is from what I understand. They have uh, 30 or 60 days to dispute this. And obviously, there's some people in Congress that want to dispute it. Like, oh, hell no, no weed. Like, how can that doesn't make sense to me that the people voted it in, but then another group of people get to say if those people the majority was right or wrong it's fucked up well yeah i mean it has to do with who's got he's got seniority man <laughs> well let me let me figure out figure out the rest of it here for you my point was that some people have said this is a good thing because now congress is forced to have this up in their face you know it's in their city they're gonna have to talk about it and there are some people that are against it of course you know it's like one democrat andy harris here he told the Washington Post he's going to consider using all resources available to stop legalization. Doesn't that sound like he's responding to like a hurricane help or something? Like I'm going to use all resources available. It's, it's like well, a, where's the congressman from? You know, um, I mean, the congressman they they come from Maryland. all over the country. So if he's from Maryland, yep. Huh? I say well, I Maryland. You said I mean, Maryland. Maryland. Hey, all I gotta say is that douchebag. The people that voted him in just spoke with their votes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I was just trying to think positive, but that they're gonna roll with it. Why, why do you want to create the people that voted something in haters on you in your city? I mean, his name is a representative. His title is a representative. What the fuck does that mean? A representative of the people of Maryland. Maryland. So the people of Maryland, if put it this way, in Washington D.C., which is I guess a little bit borrowed from everywhere, um, the people have spoken, man. So what the fuck's he got to say? He's not representative of Maryland. He's a representative lobbyist, and we are not a political show. So let's move onward forward. The closer Damn we get straight. to grow talk. Yeah, let's talk about shit I know about, man. I have no idea about this shit. This gives ammo for people to be like, Scotty, real, shut the fuck up. You don't know nothing about that. All right, this is uh, the next title story. Loud, this legal Colorado weed is illegally selling for $800 an ounce elsewhere. It's like, what? What? $800 an ounce. Like, that's what got to be what, like, when they do the bust and they're like, this hydroponically lab-grown weed is worth $50,000 a pound. Yeah, such a bunch of fucking bullshit. I mean, the story in summary went into, which is not a surprise that... They're just talking about people, everything from they're saying they busted a Greyhound bus that had a bunch of weed on it and all this stuff going out of state. And, you know, they're saying that the pounds can go up for, let's say here, or a pound of the stuff goes for about six grand. And this is in, uh, they're, they're saying on the, uh, I think, legal sales, people are, are, I think, going to the extent where they can come here and buy it legally as much as they can, even at retail prices, and take it back to some of these markets, which sounds insane to me. That's the American fucking way. <laughs> All right, nailing it. Um, but, yeah, they're saying that the prices are way up. And they, 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 there's a nickname out there. I haven't heard of this, Scotty. And they're saying they're calling this stuff loud when it comes from Colorado and Washington. Yo, that's the loud. That's the loud weed, man. 
man, you know, the only time I've ever heard that expression before was by the mailman. The mailman came and delivered a package one time to a buddy of mine, and I guess it was pretty stinky. And the mailman goes, hey, take care of this. It's a little loud. That's what he told really? me. I was, yeah, that's what is it. The mailman said that. You know, one of these old country mail people or whatever like yeah. that. And fucking what, wherever the fuck it was in the sticks. And it was just a buddy of mine told me the story. But I thought it was funny as hell, dude. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a sales game. They got, they're saying they got this basically people going out. Bringing weight back from somewhere out here, Washington, Colorado, going back to like the redneck Midwest somewhere, um, and you know, I guess that was kind of a little stereotype there. Sorry, I'm from the Midwest, so I'm just making fun of myself. Uh, and uh, brother, brother, I got the loud motherfucker, the and, loud. And you know what, that man, that loud. They're like, this is the best shit they have in Colorado. It's not only loud; it's the best loud. Like they're just marking it up so heavy, um, and it's creating crime in some areas. You know, they got different police captains on here talking about where robbery has been up a little bit because they'll make you know deals go bad where they just take all the cash and uh we'll just need to see the cash go out of this man that and the illegality and that'll go away captain and you'll have less shit to deal with so (laughs) get rid of the black market and you'll get rid of this that that's my my summary diggity Uh, man let's see organ organ listeners what you need to know before you grow marijuana in Oregon so we got some uh some tips here uh I shouldn't say tips but just rules and things that they have going on in Oregon and uh it remains a felony to grow marijuana within a thousand feet of a school uh who advises this is from an attorney Leland Berger he advises marijuana businesses man these some of these attorneys got to be loving it when their state goes legal like oh hell yeah you know, absolutely, man. Especially if you get known to be like, you know, the you know one of the top five or whatever that's you know been in the industry and helping people, they're they're, they're just booked solid. Yeah, if you're smart enough to actually help author the law, boom, license to print money, brother. <laughs> license to print money. Uh, it says if you're growing in your yard, plants should be behind a fence or another barrier. It's a violation. The equivalent of a traffic ticket to grow in public view. I do like that. Hey, hey, you're going to get a little ticket here. I can see your weed. Under the new law, local communities can go through the process of opting out, license and regulated marijuana production, processing, and sales. But uh, local governments cannot ban home grows. If you live in a community that opts out of licensed recreational marijuana industry, Residents still may possess, consume, and grow in your home. So even if your little city says, we don't want to be part of the you know, commercial end of it, you can still do whatever you want in your house, which is how it should be for everything. Yeah, that is awesome, man. That is awesome. Uh, let's see here. It's the way it should be, man. You may. I got a question on this the other day. Uh, somebody was asking me how... How do you think they're going to allow concentrates over here or this type of stuff over here with concentrates in this state? And I said it all depends on how many people blow shit up. So, um, I think manufacturing concentrates is always a problem. Possession know, might be a little different, but manufacturing them is going to be a huge problem. That's how Oregon was looking at it. It says you may not produce marijuana concentrates or extracts at home. This provision is aimed at the cottage industry of marijuana enthusiasts who make hash oil in their homes or garages using butane, a flammable right. solvent that has sent more than a dozen Oregonians, did I get that right, to, to, to a Portland burn unit. 
Under oh, man. the new law, only people who can legally produce BHO and CO2 extract are those who are licensed by the state. So I'm, I'm for that. That's cool. I'll take it. So the state doesn't regulate production of BHO and other concentrates in the state's medical marijuana program, but it's going to now uh, in the recreational. So uh, sounds like good stuff to me, man. A few rules to follow. Be respectable at your home grows and... Yeah, don't blow shit up, man. Unless you have a neighbor that just absolutely hates the smell of weed. You should be able to grow outdoors all right, too. I'm down with that. Fuck yeah, man. Absolutely. All right. And indoors, if you're getting the the smell indoors, of course, you can can take care of that with uh, just a little bit of best filters, can pan filters, or solid hit them up and replace them, man. That's one thing people don't do on that... It just brought me to this tip when I said smell in my head. Be checking your outtakes, guys. Like, when it's cold out right now sometimes, I just feel like the dank can hang out. I mean, it's cold where I am. It can hang out more outside or be the air's crisper so that weed odor can get out there a little easier. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah. It smells crisp and clean out there, man. (laughs) Definitely. You can definitely smell weed. Check your light outtakes, and if you have an outtake through a carbon filter, check wherever that is. And I had one on the roof at one time, like I said, so I'd be climbing up there like once every two weeks to smell it. Okay, so we are now on USA Today's website trying to get news, and it's pretty fucked up with all kinds of add-ons. <laughs> like, everything's trying to load. There's a commercial, Scotty, for uh, a two-piece outfit for women's exercise and yoga shit like... All right, they're definitely not hitting my demographic. But here, finally, we got to the news article. Uh, Boulder, Colorado. Uh, There's marijuana growers. uh, Famously, that's a pot-friendly city, they're saying. Next year, though, they're going to start paying special fees the marijuana growers are going to to offset their contributions to climate change. So if you're hanging lights and you're running a lot of power, you're going to have a special fee for that. How do you feel about that, Mr. Real? Uh, not so good, man. <laughs> not so good. What kind of bullshit is that, man? Yeah, you just, I mean, you just don't want the man coming in. Yeah, more fees for climate change. What the fuck is that, man? Yeah, I mean, they're arguing, hey, they're using more energy than absolutely almost anybody else. And that was uh, Boulder County's. So how the hell does that stop climate change? I, I don't know what they're going to do with the money. I think they're going to, uh, I don't know, start building the dome or something. Yeah, <laughs> with machines that take a bunch of, I don't know. I was just listening to a No Agenda show this morning, and they were talking about like how much fossil fuel it takes to manufacture a solar cell, a solar panel, you know, and that they're inefficient and that they break and that it, at the end of it, it's like it takes more fossil fuels and, and all that to run the solar plant. It's just unbelievable, you know. Well, were we hanging out just the other day with some people in the industry? I forgot. One of the guys was at a huge grow. He's like, it was like, what? Do you remember? 1.2 million watts, man. Yeah. So, and just in this article, they're saying, you know, soon enough, they're expecting that it, Marijuana growers in 20 years will be demanding as much power as small cities. And you can see in things like where they said that the Northwest Power and Conservation Council, which is up in Washington and Oregon, I believe, say right now they're already meeting and having plans to figure out 
you know, because they're going to see a surge. You know, there's guys here in Colorado that are hanging up 500 lights. That's not. Yeah, that's that's 1,200 lights right there, man. 1.2 million watts. It's fucking insane. So, and I'm I'm hoping over time, everybody should know my philosophy. If you can, grow under the sun, man. I mean, I grew four plants outside this season, and it was enough to last me till next season and half of that season. So, it's. I mean, or if everybody grows their own, if everybody's got a thousand watt hung up, I understand that that they were still, you know, you're still using the same amount of power. You know, whether it's it's twelve hundred lights all in one spot or twelve hundred lights in twelve hundred different homes, but man, the vision I got is that you're growing some weed, you're growing some fresh vegetables, you're growing your own herbs, all under one thousand watt light, all under a five by five or a six by six footprint. Man, that sounds like a great way to spend the energy to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I'm I'm all for the sun. I just make sure it's what's cool is if you can get more people growing outside and networking. You got, you know, 10 people in a group. Or we'll call it a, I don't know if I want to call it a co-op because that starts to go into like legal things, I think. But then you get to trade up. Everybody's got a good flavor. And when everybody's got their flavor, they really start to perfect it. Like, you know, I'd say ISS is becoming one of my flavors that I love to trade up with people and get what I need but yeah if everybody's got their own little five by five area I mean just something super simple I'm just saying literally every house comes with a little five by five grow room or uh, you know like you have walk-in closets it's a grow closet with a thousand watt light all ducted properly and everything man that'd be sick and you could grow more than just weed there yeah you definitely would have a weed plant or a couple weed plants growing in the center and the highlight area but some fresh peppers, some fresh tomatoes, you know, all sorts of cool stuff, man. What's it cost you? Forty bucks a month, you know, for the for the power? Yeah, for just what you're saying, a five by five with a thousand, yeah, with a th- the, that and a fan running or something, you should be like at forty, forty five. Unless you're out in the Pacific Islands, then it's going to be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, then, right? you can, then you can only grow under a thirteen watt screw in Torley Bird style fluorescent. <laughs> Or even if they had really cool skylights, if you had a, a room that had a bunch of skylights, you know, four skylights in it or something like that, what, whatever. But if they were to just really uh, consider putting a garden in every house, an indoor garden in every single home, man, I think that's cool. That's my vision for the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that as well. Definitely, definitely look beautiful. I'm trying to see here, should do one more story here I got about home grows because we really like we really like the home grow. Yeah, it's exactly what I'm talking about. Well, in different yeah. states I are mean, doing different things. Like you can have. Yeah, but what the hell's up? Like that's why I was so bummed with Florida that they just wanted to make these major grow centers and only let these nine grow centers that are run basically by people either in the citrus industry or people that are going to be very quickly bought out by Monsanto or whatever company you know big company wants to get into the the uh, CBD game. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's the money, dude. That's why they're doing that, of course. And there's, I'll just keep it as simple as that. Money's involved until this is totally available and free to grow everywhere. It's still probably going to take like a decade, you know, I'm thinking, but maybe even longer. Well, that's what I mean. If if every if everybody has a thousand watt or even a you know a three fifteen, you know, something so simple, and everybody's got a spot where you know, and it's no big deal. There's absolutely nothing illegal about growing six plants or less in every state you say that that was like you know in every state that was the way everybody'd be growing a little bit you'd have some hanging baskets with some some cherry tomatoes coming down you'd have some hot peppers you'd have some herbs and right in the center where you get your best light you'd have your weed plants man 
God damn, that's cool. <laughs> I'm envisioning like a poster, man. Like you put, you gotta put your vision into like a cool poster. Call it the everybody's got a thousand watt vision poster. Yeah, the American Weed Garden, man. All right, let's go down to Pueblo, Colorado. Uh, hey, I've been there, man. I've been there. <laughs> we got friends down there, man. Yeah, if you guys don't know, Pueblo has been pretty, uh, pretty friendly to this whole thing. It's about two and a half hours south of Denver, I believe. Uh, but they uh, went over their growing rules, and it's not the worst, but not the best. It starts off to say no marijuana can be grown outdoors, according to a recommendation made by the Pueblo Planning and Zoning, which I don't doesn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, obviously, you could say no one can be grown in your front yard. It has to be behind a fence or something. But just to say it can't be grown outdoors is... Somebody, like if you told that to somebody like a farmer or a hemp farmer or before the prohibition period, they'd look at you like you were you were insane. Can't, if you told that to anybody that this was outside of this ridiculousness, that would seem insane. That you got to grow a plant that grows awesome all around the world outdoors, indoors, and by the power that we get by burning coal for the most part. We burn coal to make the power, to power these expensive lights to grow the shit indoors that we could be growing outside under the sun. Well, that sounds insane. You can grow it You can grow it in a deci- inside your house or a detached structure. Now, the number of plants that can be grown in a single-family home cannot exceed 100 square feet or be taught. <laughs> this is weird. They can't exceed 100 square feet. So it's 10 by 10, right? Yes. Or... Mm-hmm. See, I'm good at it. I got my math down. Damn. <laughs> or they can't be taller than 10 feet, which is weird. Like, you have to grow inside your house, but make sure those plants aren't taller than 10 feet. What the hell is that? What is that? That's weird, man. You, they get it, though. They get it that you can fill any space with any number of plants. So it's kind of cool to see them catching on, at least. Yeah, 10 by 10 is great. Hang 4,000 watts, right? Kill it. I love it. Yeah, but what I mean is instead of the laws of, hey, you can only grow six plants or three plants or whatever, they're like, yo, man, you can only grow this much weed, you know, a hundred square foot of it. You know? I love it. That's, that puts the uh, yeah, yeah, that puts the, the challenge on for people maxing out their space that have, you know, you know, some guys that don't have, you got a guy that doesn't have a budget, let's say he's always wanted to do it and he's going to throw like 20 grand into a 10 by 10 room and you can do that. No problem. <laughs> Hell Yeah definitely can but we'll see they said this isn't this isn't passed yet uh they had a quote in here like he's saying if my neighbor wants to grow a plant in his backyard how's that a big concern to me um that was somebody asking the planning commissioners like where did you come up come up with this although three of the seven members were not present during the hearing of from the planning commission <laughs> they're just like yeah whatever nice uh but uh, it goes on just they're gonna figure it out they said it's about as 10 they got great points here another point um before I finish this article, is they're saying it's about as ten times as expensive to grow indoors compared to outdoors, and I totally agree with that. I mean, you, yeah, I do agree. So, yeah, hopefully get that figured out. And again, you know, if you can get in on any of these meetings and things that are going on in your state, when you can, you know, up in Fort Collins back in the day, I know I went to a couple meetings, um, and when we were, and that was for medical marijuana, <clears throat> but. Right on. be involved. You guys can sit in. Sometimes you can get up and be heard right in front of your city council members and make a difference. Absolutely. Oh, my God. 
All right, uh, <laughs> let's roll to, let's take a quick break, Scatty, and then uh, get into Grow Talk. Definitely, let's do we it. We already did a little bit of Grow Talk in the episode there with our enzymes and Scotty's container sizing, but we got about uh, four or five questions coming up from the listeners. And yeah, we'll be right back, guys. Everything's on dudegrows.com. Yes, sir. What's up, guys? We're back with the Grow Talk. The Grow Talk for you growers and burners and tokers and, I don't know, maybe just some people that are wanting to learn learn to grow. Yeah, definitely, man. People that are tired of spending $107 at the store for a quarter, man. Yeah, man, that is ridiculous. I it would be like that's like when you go to a party, like we say, and it's like I'm not sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That ain't what weed's about. Weed's about giving away now. All right. Well, we're gonna get in the grow talk here, guys. You hanging in there, Mister Real? Scott's a little, a little under the weather there. How's, I hope he's doing. How do you guys think he's doing? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling like uh, I probably won't remember this tomorrow, man. Feeling a little spacey. Definitely got some kind of well, I like flu, like- flu dealio going on or something. Well, like you said during the break, you know, not not every show is going to be a work of art. As long as it's got the knowledge, it works out. So let's let's talk grow. True. It says this this gentleman would love to hear you guys talk about the spot on your peep, where you want your PPMs and the importance of it. All right. Um, and he's like, and he knows we went over it a little bit on. We've gone over this on a few other shows for sure. That's but okay. We'll, do it and we'll try and do it in a, in a nutshell. Let's talk hydroponics real quick. Hydroponic PPMs. All right. Uh, five five to six ahead. two, man. Oh man. <laughs> no hydroponic Here. PPMs. I guess it depends if you have media or not. I mean, hydroponic could be anything from rock wool to deep water culture. Um, and the idea is that for deep water culture, I'm low, man. I'm in the six hundreds, maybe seven hundreds max, because the idea is I'm feeding nutrient and recirculating that nutrient all day long to the plants so they don't need a lot yeah i agree i'll do it the uh, same deep water culture a system that's tuned in perfect your ph water temperatures and everything else you don't need to be high so i'm gonna max out at like 600 at the most in veg and probably at 800 at the most in bloom if you're in a flood table you could up that a little bit i think if you're in like typical ebb and flow or whatever you could take those uh, numbers up maybe a hundred or two but really less is more and i i don't sometimes see the the benefit of adding more ppms um, when i get over a thousand in anything in hydroponics some people are like whatever dude i'm rocking 1800 but mm. i don't know i'm getting what i need out of my herb at, at the, the lower end and and yeah, way better quality on the burn off the the, the nine non hydroponic like black Bernie bowl. <laughs> yeah, and you can drop if you might want to drop at eighteen hundred if you're watering them or I don't I don't know if I'd ever drop eighteen hundred but you know fifteen sixteen hundred parts per million if you're applying fertilizer to rock wool because you get to leach it out and you can you know you could probably you know some plants could probably handle that much. But when you have no media like deep water culture, yeah, you definitely want to lower it down. And if you guys are a newer grower, um, PPMs, parts per million, there's also EC that either one's going to measure the strength of chemical nutrient in your solution. And it's not bad at all. There's plenty of good feed charts out there, and there's definitely some bad ones. If you're a new grower, I would say, like, start to follow a feed chart at the beginning of a plant's life at half strength. And try and get to learn what the plant needs. Never go to full strength on the first run on a feed chart unless you have some crazy aggressive strain. It's usually not needed. And then that's a good way with chemical newts to uh, 
learn how the ppms is you know where they can be uh when you're adding a bloom booster you're like holy shit this adds so much ppms i need to cut back my base newts and start messing with all that shit but if you're an organic grower or natural grower or more the type of recipes um i'm using which we should also get up on the dude grow site scotty is some of the recipes we're using definitely uh, ppms i'm not even really thinking about i don't have a ppm or ec meter i'm starting i'm trying to lean away from ph but it's just like one of those things stuck in my brain i still do ph solution but man ppms aren't as important in uh when you're using organic and natural type additives kelp molasses fulvics all that jazz Well, because they don't register on 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 the uh, meter i mean ec is electrical conductivity and that's how how the salts register the salts will re- will will register some whatever on that meter and organics don't do that you know organics don't register on the, on those meters so you can't get an, ac- yeah, an accurate exactly. registration of them no so the way i like to grow i'd say grow in a soil or soilless mix forget about ppms and just start to again i even do use though some of the organic additives that call for one ounce per gallon i'm watering in it 15 mils a lot of what i use i'm going half strength to almost barely ever at full strength i'm always as i call it like gardening light i do sometimes chase nitrogen efficiencies for sure but i'd rather have that than too much but you know everybody's a little different with their style of feeding yeah definitely you got your shit down that's for sure let's kick it on to the next question here with number two number two guys Dude, I have a question for you about Microblift BTI. That product, guys, is a liquid. Uh, they have a dry one, too, I think. But no, Microblift, is, I believe, is only liquid. And it's just the Bacillus thuringiensis that takes care of the fungus gnats. This guy's growing in an ebb and flow. And he still is using preventative maintenance tip using about, he says, about 4 mils of that product to his 30-gallon res. How long in a flower do you recommend using microblift? Because my recommendation recommendation for microblift guys is using about six drops per gallon when you have a problem, and then after your problem is maintained, I mean after about ten days, you can cut that in half, like only like three drops per gallon, adaptable to any system, um, unless you're using anything to kill living living biology. Uh, but he asks, how long in a flower should he do this, or is it all right to run it through to flush? Yeah, dude, totally all right, run it. You could run it all the way through to flush. Microblift isn't a nutrient. It won't affect the flavor of your flowers. All it's doing is putting uh, bacteria in your soil that is going to combat and take out those fungus gnats. So be patient when you use it. It's a good product, but it's not like the harsh chemical kills where like the next day, you know, you see it done. You're just you're putting troops into battle, and it's going to take them about 10 days to two weeks, depending on the infestation, to fully take them down. Right on. But you'll see less every day. You'll see less fungus gnats every day. And use sticky traps, man. Use sticky traps wherever you can at the at the soil level, the hydrogen level, and that'll definitely help their population go down too. Yeah, definitely agree on that. Sticky traps, dude. I used to hang them up a lot. And I don't really even hang them anymore because I'm not, you know, I can identify spider mites, and I'm not catching much in a sticky trap when I hang it up other than a few times my damn hair when you're getting in the garden working. It's like, oh, my God. How about your sticky trap on my head? On your skin, any part of your skin, it's gross, man. Whatever that stuff they put on there, man, that is 
the stickiest of the icky, my man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We had a listener chime out here, a little, uh, you know, just about what he's got going on in his life. So I just wanted to touch it, touch it a minute. And then he has a little bit of a growing question because everybody out there is in a different situation growing. And when you're in this type of situation, it makes you feel how lucky you can be to be somebody here in Colorado or whatever. But this gentleman is out in Utah and, you know, he's got some issues. He's got a severe stomach ulcer as well as um, he's he's got a restless leg. So, you know, he's been on, it says he gets prescribed 150 oxycodone, 30 milligram tabs. Um, so that's like his monthly prescription is 150 of those. And he's been doing that for the last two years. Jesus. And he's just saying how, you know, it's physically, mentally, dependently, you know, to the point where it just, it screws with him entirely. He freaking hates it. It's not good for you. And when he can get his hands on and, and use cannabis, he's like, it's unbelievable. He's like, it works as good or not better for both of his medical conditions with no side effects and no long-term complications at all, except he can go to jail or prison for possessing, buying, or even growing one plant is a zero to five year prison sentence. So they're saying you get up to five years for one plant wow. in uh, good, good old Utah. And you know, in the end, he says one other thing is that you know sometimes he can't sleep for like days at a time, and that's another thing. He says like the right strain, cannabis, no issue. So you guys are out there in, a, in an area. Don't take. I mean, just remember stories like this. Also remember stories like this for when. Somebody's going to stereotype or be like, yeah, you're fucking hippies. You don't need cannabis, bunch of stoners. There's, You know how many people out there takes oxycodone and other opiates for pain and shit? Right. Cannabis is like a gift for this. Not for everybody, but legitimately for plenty of people. So I just wanted to get that out in everybody's mind. And he had a question on grow. The white widow, too, he says, or has a white widow. And it's two and a half weeks into flowering from feminized seed. Um, and he says, using how long of a plant cycle do you think these plants have as far as the flowering plant cycle? So, I mean, given there's a few factors when you're looking, you know, people say eight weeks, nine weeks. Depends. If you had any stress in your, your flower period, like let's say, uh, for example, a bug infestation indoors or something, or your plants, you had pH lockout for four days. I typically take those days out of my cycle. Like I say, that those days, the plants didn't do shit because they were pissed off. But the White Widow, I found, I was just looking around online, which he potentially doesn't even want to do in his situation. Um, and they're taking it to nine weeks. So, and I, I did grow White Widow myself, and I think I took it to nine and a half. A good way to check is get your scope, 30 times scope. You could get a loop for like $10. Um, at the hydro store, that's probably not in Utah. Actually, you can get it for three dollars on Amazon, man. Hell yeah! Yeah, just get a little jeweler's loop. Make sure it's at least thirty times, and you have to have a steady hand. And then check your trichomes, and you'll be able to tell. You know, you'll see if they're all clear. Then you still should be waiting. Starting to get hazy. That's the earliest point. I'd take down a few ambers, one third. That's about when I'm harvesting. But um, I try to take it to the nine weeks for sure. Too often people take plants early and, you know, get that, make sure that last week you're flushing in at least the last 10 days if you're in soil and running plain water through and don't worry about that plant yellowing out. Get that flavor and ripening in. So, yeah. and yeah, I, 
there was anything I could do to to change Utah's mind, I don't know. You got any ideas, Scotty? No, don't go to Utah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that totally sucks. Uh, I don't know. Maybe w- when that state would change, I don't know if any. I don't think anything's on the radar. But you know what, man? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad that he's stuck in that position, but. Every, you know, Utah is like the home of the Mormons, you know what I mean? So they've got their place there, and it's just a place where I don't go, you know what I mean? I guess if you, you know, you know, everybody should have their place. Colorado's the place for for the stoners, man, you know, or at least where I'm at is. So I do believe that uh, America's great because we've got all these places, you know, there's a home for everybody, you know? If you want to be a Mormon, man, go to Utah, man. If you want to be involved in the pot scene, come to Colorado. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's go to the next the next question. Uh, and good luck to you and your grow out there in Utah. Yes, absolutely. And I do realize that everybody doesn't just have the means to just pick up and move, man. I do get it. Sorry, distracted. I thought I pulled the cord out of my mic, but you, I'm, am I still here? You are here, sir. Where am I? All right. All right, number four here. Hey, I remember you guys talking about a product that guarantees female hormones or and dominant and it helps sorry this is a little weird here and it helps flip plants into flower wanted to research that some more you remember what i'm talking about we have talked about it, and i think i got him uh he says i realized six with six hours of trimming and lollipopping last night that he had a bad ballast so he says two or three of the lights went out for a minute or two which changed immediately so basically um long story short he's in early flowering he had a light fuck up um, so he's wondering, you know, damn, maybe my plants are they're gonna they're gonna herm, and he calls it he calls it he has herm concern, <laughs> and he said we can he said we can steal that one if we want. Nice. Um, so and I've had this happen to me once before, uh, using the five minute tab timers, and like, damn, that yep. one five minute one or fifteen minute tab. And you're like, that one tab, or you go down to the grow room. One time I went down to the grow room, like, at 3.30 in the morning. I hadn't been down there in, like, 10 days at that time in flowering. The fucking light was on. And I was like, what is good? And it was, like, a side fluorescent or something. But I got herm concerned. Yeah, man. That was switch he's talking about. Optic foliar yeah, switch. Yes. Optic foliar switch. Um, it, Dutch Master Reverse used to be another one. Uh, and we do have, I don't know if we put it up on the show just yet, uh, but we, we got to niche access with, uh, talking about his products. We talked about a few episodes back overgrow and transport and on the switch as with anything else, uh, I would use it, especially when the option, other option might be herms. Um, and if you've had really small time light infractions in your garden, like don't sweat it. I've had people cover up like the red light on a power strip because like I don't know, they right. just go too far, but then they they'll swear that that was like people, these plants can see the moon at night. That doesn't change them into, you know, it doesn't have to be so dark. You can't even see your hand in front of your face, but that's my opinion. Don't blame me if you get Herm concerned. <laughs> but I think the, uh, I, th- yeah, use- I think the uh, switch, there was real specific way you had to use it. Like you had to use it at, at a very specific time. I'll have to check on the, on the directions on that, but I'm not sure that you can just use that anytime. I thought it was right, you know, day one and day or day seven or something like that. Timing is important with product usage for sure, um, but also making sure you don't ever want to spray anything on your whole garden. You want to spot treat, you know, a spot of your garden. Let a light cycle go by. Make sure there's no negative effects. 
uh, as well as sometimes, you know, using any product, plants can be stressed and you want to make sure that plants aren't stressed when introducing, you know, a, a new, I, I guess, I don't know, switch puts more stress on them, but I don't know. I'm careful with any product and I've heard success stories with switch and I've heard of some other growers having a little bit of trouble with it, but I hear that about a lot of products out there. I just don't, I, when I know I'm facing potential herm concern, I'm going to go with that spot treatment and then probably be spraying my whole garden down to make sure I, yeah, all my work doesn't go to Hermes and seeds. Yeah, definitely. I would like to learn how to use switch correctly. I'm, sh- you know, I'm, I'm sure it's not all that tough, but there's definitely specific ways to use that product. You don't just, how do I, how do I know. test it though? That's the weird part. Like, you know, do I screw up a light cycle? Like that doesn't sound like fun. I mean, this no, is- no, I, th- I think you test it by applying it to a plant. And just making sure it doesn't damage your plants. And then after that, if you feel like you want an insur- insurance policy, go and, uh, and and apply the whole thing. Then you should be able to apply it in confidence. Ah, good point. I mean, I wonder if it'd do anything to a plant that didn't need it for any reason. Is it going to, yeah, I mean, I guess the only way to tell, like you said, is apply it to a plant, whether you feel like you have, yeah, a stretch issue, I mean, a, a herm issue or not. So maybe I'll spray some on a plant and check it out. I'll let you guys know either way. In summary, that's what I'd go with if I were you. Check out some switch, make sure the timing's right. Call Danish, you know, talk to us on the forum and we'll try to get it right. Question number five. Uh, so this, this guy says, hey guys, thanks for the show. Just listen to my first podcast show. I thought you might be able to give me some opinion on using the super soil mix. So I'm not sure exactly which one he's talking about. Um, we've had this one a few times too, but I don't mind hitting it real quick. So trying to get, get back to our listeners. Um, he says he didn't make this recipe himself. And he was searching for all the materials that he could find online and get this pre-mixed supplement that you just add to a high quality living soil. So there's so many variables there that, I mean, hard to give you any straight advice. But I yeah, mean, I don't not even sure what he's really saying. I mean, I, I don't know what you're getting a premixed supplement to add to a high quality living soil. I don't get it. Yeah, I would say I just wanted to get the opinion out on the super soil where it's just like, be careful, man. I mean, try and buy your own soil and then just the pre some of the good pre-made ones out there and then start messing with those a little bit. Like you could go get a bag of uh whatever roots organic and then start messing around with top dressing that with different guanos and things and really get to know what you're doing um before i hate putting a bad name for super soil but it usually it doesn't feel like good coming out of my mouth because i just sometimes i don't think you can i've seen different layered ones too where you like you have the hot bloom soil on the lower part and then because when the roots reach that they should like the plant should be going into bloom and so i don't know exactly. yeah, what kind of bullshit is that man my roots go down in veg after the first couple of weeks so one of the first things it does is break down out the bottom of the pot man yeah i agree so i mean I, my my position is to unless you're super motivated and, and not make a, a super soil mix it gives you in my opinion less control as a gardener which i'm sure this might spark some comments and controversy and that's fine with me um wait I, hell no they're not gonna spark no controversy super soil definitely gives you less it gives you no control you said it and then you you're along for the ride after that man but you ain't got no control over shit and some of these growers might be in the area where all they have is like a Home Depot garden center. And you know what? They don't got shit for any any good mix. 
Yes. So go get a Sunshine Number no. Four is sometimes available, but if not, go get yourself a bale of peat. Go get yourself some perlite and some vermiculite, and you use seventy percent peat, twenty percent perlite, and ten percent vermiculite. You got yourself a good viable potting soil. Then buy some recharge and douse that shit on there, and you've got yourself a living soil now. Right, Easy. I'll take that. Is it gets growing? Is it growing weed easy with Scotty Real now? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, man, that ain't mine. Actually, that's grow weed easy, not growing weed easy. But I like it. I like it. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> right, so let's roll on to uh, number six here. Number six comments. He did this guy did the Calmag Plus. That's a General Organics product. C A M J M G Plus. And Clonux Challenge from my YouTube my YouTube channel there, The Dude Grows. And if you guys don't know, that's a video series I did where some cuts use only the CalMag Plus, no rooting hormone, versus the Clonex. In the end, everything was good on both sides. If you want the details, go check it out over at the YouTube channel. And it's also, that not that on the Dude Grows uh, Dude TV, I think? There's a video challenge there. But regardless, he said it's only been five hours and all the clones in the dome are droopy, and it seems very moist in there. What do you suggest? Does it need some air? So did you you advise this grower a little bit, Scotty? What would you suggest? Yeah, I talked to him because I thought time was, you know, a factor. I didn't want to see it get to 12 or 15 hours and have the plants still drooping. Uh, so what I said is he's really got to keep an eye on the moisture inside the dome, and you've got to look for condensation inside the dome. And I said one trick, even if you're not cutting a bunch of cuts, you can soak your rock wool cubes or your cocoa cubes or your media, and if you the more of that media or those cubes, that you have in your dome, uh, the more there is for it to evaporate and to be moist in there. So, yeah, he put a few more cubes in there, and I think it really kept the inside of the dome nice and moist, and I think he's having good success. Talked to him this yeah, morning. Yeah, the first, the first, like, three days, four, you can't have enough humidity. I mean, you want to do an air exchange, of course, but really you could keep that you want to keep that super humid in there and i've even seen i mean 5 hours after the cuts were taken even the happiest and healthiest of clones just be pissed off and droopy but yep. then within the next yep. 5 hours to you know 8 hours half a day they picked up they they realized there but that that period you can't have too much water too much humidity the first 24 hours for sure Give it an air exchange once or twice a day, and when you do that, make sure you spray them too. And add heat. I've also found if you don't have, if that tray is sitting somewhere like on a cold basement floor, even if it has good light, you want some insulation there. If you can get a heat mat, heat mats kick ass. I mean, if you're already doing... They work awesome. And sometimes you don't need it. If you're in a hot, warm, grove broom veg area, like my bedroom gets up to 85 right now, so I wouldn't need to do that in there, but just watch your environment. The environment for clones is what... It makes a difference more than anything at any time in this plant's life is cloning environment. Sure, super huge. But that bottom heat works so well, and put and putting the I usually, I usually just use a two bar fluorescent if I'm doing just really simple clones, just a shop light, and I'll put it right on top of of the uh, of the cloning dome. I mean, you know, either resting right on it or a half inch above it, but. Yeah, you definitely want that light right on top of it if you're using just regular fluorescence. Heck, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's actually a pretty good video section. We're going to be doing some improvements over there to the, to the Dude TV here shortly so you guys will have more players and more options and more good info. All right, let's do uh, 
little bit, a little bit shorter today on the the grow talk, but we had plenty of uh, information in the episode here with the sit-ins. Yeah, I'll come back strong and shout out of a cannon next week, guys. I promise, man. Scotty Real needs his rest right well, let's now. Let's have, uh, let's just cut out to high voltage. Oh yeah, man! High high voltage, my friends. We haven't cut to high voltage. Dude did not get a chance to sit in on this one. I was out recreating with a buddy that came in town and was not available. <laughs> but uh, I can tell you that I have had high voltage before. I actually touched some uh, 220 one time coming out of a wall that I assumed, of course, somebody else would have had disconnected for sure. You know, it's like there's no way these wires are alive. This garden's been down. I made like three or four assumptions that ended up making me get shocked pretty good and luckily i got away from it no problem but you know getting shocked by 220 is just yeah it's a lot different than 120 so yeah that ain't no joke if you listen to high voltage do it high but then when you work with voltage i would not smoke so keep it (laughs) keep it safe out there guys Uh, let's let you enjoy high voltage and then uh yeah, we'll be right back and uh, get ready to put it in the bag. Maybe dabble on what's going on in our grows for a second, but enjoy this here with Costa Mesa Steve and Mr. Real talking electricity. Yeah, man. Hey, what's up, y'all? Scotty Real hanging out today with a new segment. We're calling this one High Voltage with Costa Mesa Steve. What's up, Steve? Hey, hey, it's been a little while. Just kind of uh, doing my electrical work, gardening. You know, uh, good to hear from you. Damn straight. And if you all don't know, Costa Mesa Steve is not only a great grower, but he happens to be a licensed electrician out there in California. Am I correct, sir? Yes, sir. I've been an electrician now for about 15 years. Went through a five-year apprenticeship and, you know, stay up on the whole electricity game. Damn straight. I'll bet you see a lot of cool things getting in a lot of pretty pretty amazing grows out there, especially where you're at in, in the L.A. area, no? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, out here in the L.A. area in the summertime, lots of air conditioning hookups, a lot of people going ahead and trying to hook up their uh, grows in the wintertime. So, uh, yeah, quite interesting. You know, I spend a lot of time in attics, a lot of time in uh, crawl spaces doing people's electrical work. Hey, don't pull all the glamorous stuff out now, man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> awesome man well the idea here is we're going to try to get to the facts man there's a lot of a lot of electrical and cannabis gardening i mean we've got our ballast we've got our air conditioners we've got the panels and sub panels all of those are potential achilles heels if they're not set up correctly i mean fires are no joke uh burning out a leg of your power and having to call the power company and explain that is no joke so we're trying to get to the the bottom of uh of how to do it right so that's where steve is yeah you know i, I couldn't agree with you more uh, setting up any type of uh, new electrical system you really got to do it right and there's definitely a void of information out there on proper techniques of setting up a garden Definitely, definitely. So we're going to be revisiting this segment periodically. If y'all have electrical questions, just go to the Dude Grows website, dudegrows.com, and yeah, let us know, man. Yeah, I got no problem answering any of your guys' questions out there. Just go ahead and let these guys know, and we'll go ahead and answer them on the air, and hopefully we can help out not just you, but other gardeners that most likely have the same exact question. Absolutely. All right, man, I got one that's been brewing for a little while now. On show 47, I I had made a comment talking about 110 versus 220 power, and it ruffled a little feathers where a a lot of people came in and uh, had opinions on it. 
I want your opinion on it, sir. So here's today's high-voltage question, my friend. What's the difference between 110 and 220 power? Is there any advantage to running 110 or 220? Well, if you have a specific device that requires either 240 volts or 120 volts, you must run that specific voltage for that specific device. Cool. I want to stop you right there. I'm saying 110 and 220, and you're saying 120 and 240. Can you just explain the, the difference between wh why we have a range of voltage? There is a range there that has a certain amount of fluctuation. So it varies between 110 and 120. And when we're talking voltage, we're actually kind of talking about the, the pressure of the electricity. Not really the size or the amount, but just the pressure is what volts is, correct? Exactly. So the higher the voltage, the higher pressure there is on that particular wire. Okay. Does that mean higher stress level? Um, not necessarily higher stress level. It's just allowed to flow more easily. So if you want to go ahead and run electricity on a really long distance, say from your power plant to your local house, you'll go ahead and you're going to be running that all the way up to 52,000 volts. And that's more pressure from the power plant to your neighborhood. And that just allows the electricity to flow more easily with more pressure. And when it gets to your neighborhood, then you will go ahead and hit transformers while it'll step down to the proper voltage. Got it. Got it. Okay, great. Hopefully that wasn't too confusing, but basically devices are engineered most likely to run on 120 or 240 volts. And that voltage does not have to be that exact voltage. There is some variance there for the device to operate at a little bit lower voltage. Gotcha. Okay, so 120 and, and 240. Tell me how that works coming into the house. I know when I look at where the lines are coming in from the power meter or the power pole into my home, I'm seeing two lines, looks like two power lines and then a ground. Is that correct? That is exactly correct. So what it is, one wire that's coming in is going to be 120 volts to your panel. Okay. And the other wire that's going to be coming in, that's going to be 120 volts. Wait, I'm going to use my math here, man. 120 plus 120 equals 240. Exactly. So when you tie those two separate lines coming into your panel into together, that's how you get 240 volts. Got it. Got it. Okay. I've heard of people blowing out or burning out a leg of power, meaning one of those two wires. That's something that does happen. Can you tell me how that happens? Basically what's happening is you're running too much power on one side of the panel. Sometimes people will even, you know, report hearing a buzzing coming from their panel. It's because from one side of your panel, you're pulling too much power from and it's alternating current so it gets out of balance gotcha so you really want to go ahead and balance out your panel from each 120 volt leg on each side of that panel you want to balance it out now when i look at a panel i see there's two columns i guess of circuits you know that you got it you got two two base columns is one leg coming in for you know one 110 leg one 110 wire serving one half of the power box and then the other leg is serving the other half? Is that how it works? In simplest terms, yes. I like those That's simple terms. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but they go ahead and on the back side of the panel, for your convenience of putting in breakers, uh -huh. they alternate that back and forth. So when you put in a breaker, 
you can tie in two breakers that are directly next to each other together. So you can go ahead and make that breaker a 240 volt breaker on just one side of your panel. Okay, so that's when we're looking, when we look at breakers, you've got the singles and the doubles as well? Yes. Got it. Okay. Learning something already, my friend. So getting back to 110 versus 220 or you know, 120 versus 240, first off, tell us the correct terminology if we're talking to electricians. Is it 120 and 240? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So if we're trying to distinguish any mechanical advantage between 120 and 240, when, when I spoke with the, the guy from Gavita, when I spoke to the guy from Hortolux, and when I spoke to the guy from Extra Sun, those uh, inexpensive Chinese ballasts, they each told me that 240 was preferred to run a ballast on. Why is that? Well, what it is, you're having a steady pressure of higher voltage from two different wires coming into that ballast because you have 120 volts on one wire and 120 volts on another wire equaling 240 volts of more steady, steady pressure going into that mechanical or digital ballast. Okay, so if we're upping the pressure from each one of these wires, then that would mean we would have to cut the amount of power in half to make it equal. Does that make sense? That does. Well, the amount of power, it really doesn't change. So if you have a 1,000 watts coming in, it's going to be the same 1,000 watts, whether it's on 120 volts or 240 volts. It's just how those watts are delivered to the device. All right, so we're looking at a, at a ballast here. The ballast manufacturers tell us that 240 volts is preferred to 120 volts. Explain to us why that is. Well, what it is, is like we said earlier, you have 120 volts on each wire coming in. Got it. So you add those two up and you have 240 volts. So going into the ballast, you will have two wires, each carrying steady pressure of 120 volts, and when it gets into the ballast, it turns into 240 volts. So you have a steady, more consistent supply of power into that ballast. Okay, so I'm, I'm hearing steady and more consistent would lead to, or I'm, I'm making the assumption that that's going to lead to a longer service life for, the, for that electrical appliance? Well, I'm not sure if it'll actually lead to a longer service life, it will be a more steady stream of power, that's for sure. What is the advantage of that? Is there any advantage that transfers to the bulb? To the bulb itself, it should have a more steady supply of power from the actual ballast once the ballast is actually up and running. Gotcha, gotcha. Any difference in, in output, lumens, anything like that, par? There should not be because it's a 1,000 watts being delivered to that ballast, so it should go ahead and relate to a thousand watts of power to the actual lamp, but it might just be a more consistent pressure. Got it. Got it. Okay. Do you see any advantages to running 240 over 110 or 120, I should say? Oh, oh definitely. Definitely. See, when you have a thousand watts and you're running it on a 120 volt circuit, you're running at about uh, 8.5 amps because you're running all the power on one wire. Now, if you go ahead and run 240 volts, you're now splitting that amperage up between two wires. Okay. So now you basically have 4.25 amps on each wire. So you've thereby cut your amperage use in half. Now, that does not mean that you cut your power in half. 
a thousand watts is still a thousand watts and you're built on watts. It's just that you cut your amperage in half. That allows you to go ahead and put more amperage on your existing panel. And it also allows you to run a smaller wire size, right, which saves right. you money. It definitely saves you money. And when we're thinking about the, the wiring of these ballasts and whatnot, wouldn't it be advantageous to run lesser amps through the, you know, some of those smaller wires? You know, some of the wires in those ballasts aren't exactly uh, beefy. No, they are not. I mean, most ballasts are made with the cheapest material that they could find. And some of them are actually go ahead and get their ETL and UL listings stating that that ballast is going to be run on 240. But then they go ahead and put that ballast out to market, and it can go ahead and run on 120 or 240. But the majority of them were intended to be run on 240 volts. Gotcha. Gotcha. And every every ballast that I've seen, boy, I've been gardening for 20 years, is usually a, a multi-voltage ballast. The Most of the ones now are coming with a, a simple 120 and 240 switch on them. But it's always pretty easy to just open up the ballast. Uh, look at the, is it a transformer? Is that what we're looking for? I remember there's something coming off with about four or five wires, and they usually tell you 240, you know, there's the two, uh, 207. There's all sorts of voltage in there. Yes, it is. Normally what you'll have is you'll have a ground wire, which mm-hmm. you leave alone. Then you'll have another wire in there that will normally say uh, COM, meaning common wire. Got we'll it. just leave that alone, and then there'll normally be a few other wires that'll state 120, 240, 277. And so if you want to go ahead and change your magnetic ballast, the voltage that you're going to be running, all you do is go ahead and hook up the correct wire. So if you want to run it on 240, then you just go ahead and tie the 240 to the uh, existing hot wire in the ballast. Right, just disconnect the 110, reconnect it, and connect the 240. Yep. Pretty simple and straightforward. Just one wire, that's it. You leave the common alone, and you leave the ground alone. Yep, interesting, man, interesting. Cool. All right, man, I think we got a better understanding of the difference between it. Is there something I missed? Is there anything that we want to, to explain with regards to 240 and 120? You know, if you can run 240 and you're setting up a, a garden from the beginning, go ahead and run 240 whenever you can. It definitely will save you on your amperage, but it is a complete myth that it will cut your power use or your power bill down by half. That is not true. There ain't no free ride in this country, my friend. Hey, you know what? That's another thing. Don't try and get a free ride off of the power company because they will catch you, and that is no joke. Do not steal power. Thank you. That's the way you'll get busted. And that's the charge that your lawyer is going to frown upon the most. That's the one where you're not working with the, you know, the, the prosecutor anymore. You're working with the power company that just decided you owe them eighty or $90,000. <laughs> I've seen it happen, my friends. That is very true. Don't fuck with the power company. True, true. Yep. Great advice, Steve. All right, you know what? I think we're going to wrap this segment up for now. I'm going to bring you back, and we're going to learn all sorts of good stuff, man. All right. Hey, thanks for the time, Scotty. Appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Much appreciated, my friend. Into the strangest world you've ever seen. 
Yo, yo, what's going on in the grow, yo? Yo, man. Man, I'm the only one in Colorado with humidity problems. I'll tell you, that's what's going on in my grow, homie. The fuck, humidity. man? <laughs> yeah, here's here's the problem, man. My fans are sucking air in to cool the lights, okay, from outside. So it's what? Four degrees outside right now, so that's ice cold air, okay? It's coming in and hitting my 90-degree room. And even with insulation, it's pulling it into the hoods, and the hoods are getting cold. And then it's c- condensing, just like a, what, you know, ice water. I mean, what insulation? I've What's got, insulated? Is the, your duct? Du- the ducts are heavily insulated. Yeah, so the duct. And so where's the condensation in the first Pretty hood? much on the hoods, yeah. The first hood of each run has will actually have ice inside them in the mornings. Because don't forget, my hoods are, you know, it's a 12-12 flip. So my first hoods will be off all evening. You know, the, the, the first two hoods on the run are off all evening. So, man, you, you, you just get an ice built in there, legitimate ice built inside the hood. It's crazy. How long do your hoods, like when your lights come on, then you notice your hood condenses up and gets wet. How long does it stay wet? A couple hours, man, at least four hours. And then the, and what happens, it has to melt that ice and then it drips out. I mean, I've got ice dripping out of my lights, man. What the fuck? I mean, a damper would might help the situation to keep the cold air out while that room's down and while the air is not. I mean, I'm not saying it would complete. No, it has to pull that air consistently. Well, yeah, when the room, when the when the fan's not running, the damper's closed. No cold air can come into your hood. Why 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 would the fan never not be running, man? It's a air cooled light. The fan's always running. Uh, it's like mandatory. Always got it. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. It's pulling through that run and cooling all the other lights. It's a straight run where it cools three or four lights. Yeah, yeah, you know. So the only solution I could think of would be to totally redo the rooms. I've done this before and have the vegetative room, the first lights on the run, so that they're always on, you know, and just leave those vegetative lights on 24-7. That's the only thing I can think of, but... It's a pain in the ass. I don't know if you could really even do that. Yeah, and usually it's only, it's not this cold for too long, and I'm you probably don't get it when it's just like maybe in the 30s or 20s. I'm assuming you don't have that issue. Uh, down low, yeah. Yeah, anytime it's below freezing, yeah, we'll get that issue. I, don't know. I mean, I guess you're just going to have to start collecting that water to offset your water bill or something. <laughs> I would usually look at that as adding good humidity, but if you're going over and flower over like, 55 50 yeah you're getting you're getting kind of high for some point yeah and it's got to be doing something to the spectrum as well with all that water now now the light's got to go through you know a sheet of ice and water come on that's terrible <laughs> <laughs> hey we've we've both ran liquid cool lighting before i i ran the uh, liquid lumens and you ran the fresca souls and i had one run under those liquid lumens where Nobody could tell me that light going through water was affecting my yield. It was great. I mean, it was kind of yeah, I, weird phase in gardening. Definitely maybe. grown huge monsters off those things, man. Definitely. I don't know if many people are still running liquid cooled light setups, but the, the the times I did do that, I mean, I pulled my. It was pretty sweet. The one thing I liked about that setup is it was totally silent because you didn't have your inline fans running. It was just it was really cool. Had to have a big old chiller, and you might as well get an AC. All right, I'll tell you what's going on in my grow. On the endo, in the day in the life of the vanilla Kush, 
she hasn't been under the camera lately. I still have to release this whole series, but I got it coming on now in a lot of a lot of episodes. The the Vanilla Kush, the Island Sweet Skunk, and the uh, Citrix from Feminized Seed are all in the bedroom, all about two to two and a half weeks apart. And I pull them out of there, and I'm doing an IPM treatment, which is just going to be the overgrow, which, you know, the entire tops of the leaves everywhere. And then I'm going to water in Azamax. I like to water in Azamax. Actually, not too heavy. About two teaspoons, 10 mils per gallon, maybe three times during the grow. And I really, that's a good water in. Like, I'm trying to drench my soil area. The plant's going to get it systemically that way, and as well as have a negative effect on any potential creepy crawlers in my soil zone insect wise you know things that are going to eat my roots things i don't want um so that's that's the ipm schedule on the on the endo and keeping the humidity up and my man my bedroom if i don't turn on my humidifier goes to zero right now like there is no humidity in the air in colorado right now so right scott's a unique individual he just brought it with him from florida somehow <laughs> uh, um, I'm also uh, got some new seeds started. Had some a uh, couple newbie growers friends coming on board that are just getting their first grows set up. So I'm getting them hooked up with some glass slipper starts again from Reserva Provada. The glass slipper is just a great plant to get people started with. As far as it doesn't need much support, grows dense buds. I mean, barely any pruning. And uh, it, yeah, it's a really good start. So it's still my pick for newbie growers. Uh, and man, yeah, it's, it's exciting getting people new plants. And I love the feminized seed aspect. I know I'm not giving anybody any troubles. Like, oh, I got this cut from Joe over here, and he only had a little bit of powdery mildew last week. So, <laughs> and then my, my outdoor update uh, was pretty crazy. I mean, the bottom dropped out here in Colorado last week. It was like a weekend of. Seven. It was actually 70 degrees, I think, almost on Sunday. Monday night, it got down to 10 or 12. And then the following day, it got to negative 5. So it was like, all right, winter's here immediately. So I, I ran that sour relief outdoors all the way until um, mid-November almost. So it it was like, but it was a, a scramble to harvest it because even with two heaters in my little poly hoop house thing, you are, uh, I'm sorry, my, my poly tiki bar, you could start to start to <laughs> see my breath as I was harvesting with two heaters in there. So, and that was, that was a pretty epic session. That was about a 12 hour trim session and it was, it was worth it, but that plant still had 10 days. So it kind of, kind of broke my heart a little bit, but I think, I think it's going to work out. I've yet to get with the smoke test. If for some reason it's just not finished right, we'll have to do the, uh, solventless hash extraction. So, and don't forget if y'all want any, any, any all mesh bubble bags, hook it up. Just go to Amazon and search all mesh bubble bags. That's me, the all mesh bubble bag dude. So haven't had, haven't had (laughs) one return on those mugs, man. So they're durable. That's my self promo there. Nice. My soapbox. Let's get ready to wrap it up. Hell yeah, man. Get you, uh, get, get, get Scotty off the mic, get him some rest. And he's been hanging in there. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Nyquil time for Scotty, man. Yeah, he didn't the pick me up weed didn't work today. Whatever you you got viral, <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening, guys. Episode forty nine. Support the people that help us out as well. If you're in Colorado, check out a way to grow. Any six of them, 
get some good help, use the Dude Grows account for sure. Hook up on Real Growers, realgrowers.com, the non-plant specific site that has the best nutrient additives we talk about, as well as Recharge. Yeah, no bullshit. I mean, there was an episode where Scotty didn't have much Recharge talk, so there you go. So in the end, I'll say it, it, <laughs> it ain't no bullshit. Got an email in today where this guy, like, saw results in like a light cycle which usually when people say that shit and it's not going to happen for all growers but usually when people say that shit it's like whatever but i mean i'm hearing it out the grower's mouth via the email on the site um and visit dude grows show guys i mean sorry dudegrows.com we got almost got it all in one and we're working on the site every week trying to make it better and what'd you forget scotty anything i don't think i forgot anything today man i'm uh I'm going to let it be today, my friend. Dude, just go take a five-hour energy right now. I know you feel real sick, but just see if it'll reverse it or what will happen. You know, I, you know, <laughs> okay, how about two yeah, of them? Two five-hour energies while you're really sick and you feel like you should lay down and then start trimming. All right, guys, <laughs> we'll put episode 49 in the bag. Thanks for hanging out, and uh, we will see you soon for episode 50. All right, get ready for episode 50, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, we'll have to do something special, man. 50th anniversary. All right. <laughs> Let's do 50 bong hits throughout the show, man. Oh, man. I don't know if we'll ever. <laughs> yeah, it scares me. <laughs> Word, guys. Thanks for hanging out with the Dude Grow Show. Take it easy. Hell yeah. Take it easy, y'all.